Wait, why? That's the worst one. That's the worst one. We're going to start with Try Bottle Alley, a Harbor. Try Central Park, it's guaranteed. Try any bank of bum or barber. They almost all knows how to read. Great. How dare you disrespect the opening number of this musical, that it's truly, truly perfect. It's a truly perfect song. Wow. So Molly's going to have <laughs> very normal reactions this episode. This is going to be very, Tepid. just, you know, Luke middle warm. of the road. Yeah. My feelings on Newsies are just that it's fine. Yeah. Just, those are my feelings. <laughs> First time watching it, I thought it was, you know, Christian Bale gives a performance. A, per- a performance. <laughs> Nothing that impacted me strongly in any way. <laughs> um, welcome back uh, to another episode of Showgaze in which we attempt to dissect the American movie musical. Sometimes not even American. Sometimes the British movie musical. Maybe one day we'll do a Filipino mus- movie musical or mm. a Bollywood movie musical. Teasing. This week you have one minute to summarize the plot of Disney's 1992 seminal classic Newsies. Uh, and your time begins now. In 1899, New York City, Jack Kelly, longtime newsboy for Joseph Pulitzer's newspaper, The World, dreams of one day moving to Santa Fe. He strikes a business partnership with newcomers David and Les Jacobs, whose brother is whose father is out of work after being injured in a factory job. When Pulitzer raises the prices that Newsies pay to purchase the papers to distribute, Jack becomes a strike leader with David's help. The boys successfully recruit Newsies around the city, and Jack grows close with the whole Jacob's family, including a romance with David's sister, Sarah. However, Jack's criminal history catches up with him, and he is sent back to the refuge, an abusive home for juvenile delinquents. Pulitzer offers him freedom and enough money to move to Santa Fe in exchange for working as a scab. Jack initially accepts to the dismay of the Newsies until he sees Pulitzer's goons attacking the Jacob's siblings and rejoins the strike. Jack and the Jacobs print their own paper about the strike and child exploitation throughout the city, successfully calling for a rally in front of the world. Jack and David are called to Pulitzer's office, where they convince Pulitzer that they've won. Jack initially leaves with Governor Teddy Roosevelt, who has shut down the refuge, but Roosevelt convinces Jack to stay with his found family, the Jacobs and the Newsies. Uh, that was a minute and 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Oh, okay. So I should have cut the line about him having a romance with Sarah, but I... It's not it's really central, to, it's but it's important to Molly's plot. And important to Molly's. <laughs> it's part of the plot of my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, RJ, you're the only person who in our little Google Doc did not fill out what your relationship to this musical is. So I'm going to start with you, mm-hmm. RJ. What is your relationship to Newsies? So this is my first time watching this movie. I had heard about this movie. I said that like we were going to applaud that. <gasps> yes! Yes, Queen <laughs> Slay! Queen, absolutely. Queen, absolutely Slay! Watching a movie from 1992 today? Yes. Oh my god. It's never it's, been done! It's giving. Oh my god. Thank you. Um, but I had heard about this movie, I'm going to say, uh, probably from Molly. I think you may have been the first person that brought up this movie that to me in sense. college. Um, but I had friends growing up who were big fans of heavyweights. That was their favorite Disney Channel or something. I love heavyweight. This is an intersection I'm learning, apparently, yeah. <laughs> I had never seen both. I still have not seen heavyweights, and I think I should. But I think I've always just, like, confused 
because like in the philippines we didn't get i didn't get disney channel until like i was i think it was like 97 90 like lizzie mcguire was like the mm -hmm. first thing i okay. ever saw in disney channel so it was way later um and i just didn't like have the decoms and and the wait, disney wait, wait. this movie. is not a I know, disney channel not. yes movie. oh okay i just meant like disney he, just like disney halfway through this movie he was like wait was this released <laughs> theatrically and i was like yes I was like, he was oh. like it took you that long <laughs> yeah okay. um, because we started the movie and he was like oh my gosh they really they reformatted it to be widescreen so i hope we're gonna see like camera people <laughs> off to the side and i thought that comment was weird when he said it but i was like okay <laughs> And then he was like, wait, this wasn't like for TV. For TV. And I was like, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, but I, this is so weird, but I always thought that Crutchy was like a pudgy character. And I think I was confused. I was combining heavyweights together. So when I think oh, we were in okay. college, when the musical Newsies came out, correct? Cause it was like 20, 2012, 12. Okay. That sounds right. Yeah. And when that came I out, I know it's right. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. All right. So when that musical came out, I had seen the Tony's performance, and I just remembered like the Twitter sphere, just the conversations about um, Andrew Cannon Bolger being crutchy. And at the time, I was very much like, "Why is there a, why is there like a, a super twink that's playing this like supposedly like supposed to be like a a plus size character?" And I like, and were you like a... tweeting about this and being no, mad about it? I never tweeted, but I just always was like, "Ugh, I can't support it." Whatever. I blah, love blah, blah, blah. the idea of RJ being like the least informed social justice Absolutely. warrior, being yeah. out here being like <laughs> size representation matters. That's exactly. Uh, it reminds me of that tweet today by Jabuki, who was like, "Cause Harry, Harry, one album, Harry, of the one year. album of the year," and everyone was like, mm -hmm. "Um, how quick we are to like not." uh celebrate an immigrant uh gender non-conforming person gender non-conforming immigrant <laughs> over a cishet black woman as a joke as a joke as a joke i was like oh my that's it's like same energy of like misinformation but still like social justice it's like, also it's like the people who like got mad that jeremy hansen made him straight because they just like assumed because ben blatt is like, gay the yeah, yeah. and they're just like the vibes feel very like coming out musical and so yes. like they just thought yeah. the character was gay the whole time yeah he just comes out as an asshole that's really what he comes yeah, out as yeah. yeah so i had a version of newsies but then also like yeah just that that was a thing. And then in Florida, we saw a regional, uh, a local production. It was a theater that I worked at before. And I knew the director. He was a director that directed me and Annie and, and other musicals. And so I watched that. And that was my first time ever seeing like Newsies. And I, I that was fully just like, it was, you know, a celebration of twinks on stage. It was truly just like Orlando's best and brightest dancing twinks like up there. Um, and that was really like the, that was the last time I ever, yeah, that was my most recent like Newsies interaction. And I thought like the music was good. Um, made a lot of comparisons to like Annie. Um, we'll t I'm sure we'll talk about later, but like, you know, the deus ex Roosevelt, I think was like the big thing. Cause I had just done Annie. So I was like, oh, we're doing it here mm -hmm. too. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I was like a fan of the music. I really, my favorite song coming out of it was the, the girl song. Um, in the stage musical, which was not a character in the movie, I had discovered. I was like, "Yeah, wait, wasn't there a girl journalist?" I was so I was like, "Is Sarah like an, an aspiring journalist?" Like, and then I realized, like, "Oh, Bill Pullman is supposed to be that girl journalist." So uh, that was fun. It, but I, uh, yeah, that, that's been my relationship so far. So I, um, my first interaction with Newsies was singing um, "Seize the Day" in choir in high school. 
for I think graduation for like you know how they make the choir sing at a, at the graduation every year. I think we sure. sang it one year. And then I had a friend who um his name was Nick, Nick Cosmano. Um he was like the first straight guy friend I ever had. Um wow. he's like the closest I've ever had to an older brother. Aww. He's yeah. very he's very nice. Um he lives in yeah. Portland now. But um it was his favorite musical. And so I went over, I was over, I was over at his house a lot because he lived in my neighborhood in one summer. And um, so I was over at his house and he made me watch it. But we were like goofing around the whole time. So I wasn't like attuned to what's happening. Um, but um, I thought it was good or whatever. I didn't have strong feelings about it. Um, so this is like officially the first time that I've sat down and been like, I'm going to actively engage in watching the film Newsies. But I have technically seen it before. So, and then I also saw the same production RJ did in Florida. Yeah. Molly, we can't wait to hear your regalement of your history. Well, first I want to say, I do feel like, I feel like this is a musical that straight men could get behind. So that oh, makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a top three childhood movie for me. Wow. I feel like maybe I've said this before about other yeah. movies, so oh. listeners can DM me if you want to correct my own recollection. But I would say my three favorite movies from childhood are A League of Their Own, mm-hmm. Sister Act, and, basic and Newsies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Basic Instinct because just four. It's just right below. Um, Silence of the Lambs. Got it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I love this movie so much. I had, the whole time I was watching it today, I had like a huge grin on my face. And in mm. fact, uh, my my brother has an Apple TV. And so I hooked up my AirPods to it so that I could watch it like down in the living room, but not be disturbing anybody. And so my sister-in-law came down and she like didn't know what I was doing. And I was like grinning and, and like Smiling. mouthing along. <laughs> she was like, what is, what is going on? Because I was just like, I was just like elated. To, yeah. I was transported. My sister and I used to do the opening number as like a little doubles act, like for our <laughs> relatives and yeah. stuff. We like learned how to sing all of the, cause it's, you can't really do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. There's too much overlap, but with two people, you can make a pretty good effort. Yeah. Um, I did text her and say like, it's real have swell a with two people. That's a Chicago <laughs> reference. Oh, gotcha. Um, I, I texted her to ask if she had a quote about how the movie had impacted her life, but she declined on that front. Um, she, she says, I, I remain silent. Uh, <laughs> I do not want to. I remain par- yeah. Uh, nonpartisan. <laughs> yeah, I remain nonpartisan on the issue. Um, yeah, I think this movie is basically perfect, and I love everything about it, and that's yeah. my stance. Does, Adam, did you have a go-to like when you're, you would perform for your relatives or your family? Mm-hmm. I would not perform. So I, ah. this is like the weird, I, my mom did not, was make not you like perform. your mom where she would like so, make so, me yeah. sing. My grandma would ask me to sing sometimes. So I'd sing for her, but my performances were truly relegated to the stage. Um, as a thespian. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I did, um, I mean, I did a lot of shows from very early on, so they didn't, they didn't need me to perform. There were enough chances to go to see, see me you. in a thing anyway. Mine was always uh, Sometimes by Britney Spears. Sometimes I run. Or Come On Over by Christina Aguilera because that was still in my range. Mm. <laughs> I mean, talk about bipartisan over here with both wow. Britney and Christina. I was equal up. I was like, it's, I am supporting all of the pop girls, honey. Yeah. So let's talk about the movie. Uh, Newsies. 
is an original movie musical. Um, it is directed by Kenny Ortega, who we have discussed on this pod before um, in regards to High School Musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is written by Bob Sudiker. TZU. Yeah. Sudiker, probably. And Noni White. It is produced by Michael Finnell. It stars Christian Bale as Jack Cowboy Kelly. Uh, Bill Pullman as Brian Denton. Bill Pullman, and, the one overlapping actor in my top three childhood movies. I was I was about to say, Bill Pullman, like, truly, what movie wasn't he on in the 90s? Because he... he He's in Sleepless in Seattle, which is one of my favorite. In early 90s movies. King, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Anne Margaret plays Meadow Larkson, the Swedish Meadow Lark. <laughs> Robert Duvall uh, plays Joseph Pulitzer, a hist- an actual historical, historical figure. Cinematography is by Andrew Laszlo. It is edited by William H. Reynolds. The music is by the songs are by Alan Menken, and the score is by J. A. C. Redford. Uh, production companies are Walt Disney Pictures and Touchwood Pacific Partners. One I I don't know if that's is it. this post um, Howard Ashman. I will talk about it. Yeah. <gasps> oh, okay. Because I was curious. Because I was like, okay, nineties Alan Menken, but mm-hmm. not an Ashman. Not an Ashman. So I'm curious, like where. It's distributed by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. Uh, it was released on April 10th, 1992. Um, and also, like, put our, let's put ourselves in context of, like, film years. This is, like, before the summer blockbuster season started, like, April 1st. Now it starts basically in April. Yeah. Back then it was, like, July, July. 4th was when the oh, summer okay. movie okay. season starts. Yeah, yeah. Um, the running time is 121 very long minutes. Uh, sorry, that spoils one of my thoughts about this movie. Oh, the budget okay. is fifteen million, wow. and the box office is only two point eight million. And I have to tell you, I have to go down to our top ten for the week it opened. It's not even in the top ten. That's how I'm low it was. Shuck. I'm honestly shocked. And on box separation. office mojo, I hate to I hate to tell you, Molly, it was in theaters for two weekends, <gasps> and then it was pulled. Okay, it made so little money. Does this so make I, sense to you too? No, I. This movie is not bad enough for it to be to be no. This no, 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 no. no. I understand I'm biased, but like, sure, sure, sure. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. I don't. It's a strong musical. I wonder sure. if it was like a marketing thing because it was like semi-heavy, uh, like themes. But it's like, is it a children's musical? You know, like I think that was kind of like the. I think it I tries think. to. I'll talk about it later. But yes, I agree. Okay. I, agree. But I, I don't, I don't think, think it's bad. bad. I so feel I don't like think there's a reason why it left in I feel weeks. like it's a ba- like a marketing, like how, how should we have yeah. marketed this movie? But also, yeah, I don't know what's going on in April 92. I'm sure like Desert Storm was happening the same like three <laughs> weeks or whatever. And everyone was and like. you know we had to be watching that constantly. Uh, right, right, right. Absolutely. The three-week <laughs> Desert Storm. Have to see a movie? Desert Storm is Okay, so I said I would talk about the top 10. So here's the top 10 of the week of April 10th, 1992, the week this opened. Number 10 is My Cousin Vinny. Great film. A slay. Classic. Nine is The Cutting Edge. Never seen it. Is that an action movie? Is that an ice skating movie? <laughs> oh, it's, it's a both. It's both action ice skating. Action on ice. Um, number eight is Thunderheart, which sounds like Braveheart's idea. sequel. I don't know. Sure. Uh, seven is Wayne's World. Okay. Six okay. is Straight Talk, which sure. is also Walt Disney Studios motion pictures. None of us are allowed to watch but that. No. So. Not, no, not for me. <laughs> Number five is Fern Gully. This op- also opened that week. Okay, so I... Isn't, mm, that's interesting. Yeah, didn't Fern Gully also not do well? Isn't it known for flopping? 
I've never seen Ferngully. I mean, I know what it's about, really? but I've never seen it. So I don't, I don't know anything about Ferngully other than I thought it also flopped, plot. which is interesting because you would think maybe there was like some other children's movie that was super popular could explain it. But I don't think Ferngully was beloved so, or yeah, yeah, yeah. the other made a good return. The other animated film that I cut off because it's not in the top 10, but it was also the same time where Rockadoodle had come out. If we remember the singing, no, the singing no rooster movie, <laughs> which is a Don Bluth. Anyway, uh, number four is Beethoven. That is a, that, the that dog. Is that's a the dog. That, yeah. that is that's a great movie. So that must have been. Yeah. It's a classic. We yeah. love Beethoven. Three is White Men Can't Jump. Another classic. Number two is Basic Instinct, Molly's fourth Molly's favorite film. Fourth favorite My fourth favorite childhood film. film. And number one, uh, opening the week with $10 million is Columbia Pictures' Sleepwalkers. So I think it sounds like a thriller. It has to be a horror movie or something. Oh my God. I guess. The cinephiles Did... listening to us right now are like, oh, this I'm, is... so, I'm yeah. shocked I knew like four of them. Okay. Those are the top 10 films. Um, RJ, you already got to it, but Howard Ashman was originally going to collaborate on this project, but he was too weak due to his battle with oh, AIDS. Oh, so it was supposed to be him. Yes. Um, so he did pass away. Um, this is the, the the film did not was not nominated for Oscars. I hate to tell a you. Crime. A so, crime. So uh, here... At the very least, some of the songs could have easily... Here were the nominations and the awards it won at the Golden Raspberry Awards. Uh. So it was nominated, Anne Margaret was nominated for Worst Supporting Actress. Robert Duvall was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor. Kenny Ortega was nominated for Worst Director. Newsies was nominated for Worst Picture. And it won the Worst Original Song for High Times, Hard Times. Which was which is the second. Anne Margaret's second song. Which I would say is the worst song. That's fine. That I'm fine with. Putting Ortega and the film and Duvall up there. I wouldn't say this was a worst picture or worst director because like i feel like our phantom conversation it was like i felt like this was aptly directed for like what it was like very competently directed yeah what is the mo what is the what is the 1992's biggest kids movie does anybody know off the top of their head the whole the whole year mm -hmm. is it little mermaid was um <laughs> was it an animated it was an animated <laughs> Was Pocahontas? it Beauty and the Beast? It is not Beauty. No, it's neither of those. Is it pre Beauty and the Beast? Because be no, no, Beauty it's post. Yeah, it's post Beauty. Aladdin. Post it's Aladdin. It's Aladdin. Arabian Nights. Um, so that's where the culture was, mm. where they cut off your ear if they don't like your face. That's where the culture was in America. Yeah. yeah. But Daddy, I it love was him. Desert Storm. Okay, it was Desert, Desert Storm. What, what are we it? gonna say? It's Desert Storm. Well, I'm going to start it. I'm going to start it and I'm going to say this movie's good. Uh, mm -hmm. I wish it was better. And I think there are things that I wish were better about it. And I, I'm, it's going to be very hard for me to have an objective conversation with Molly, who's only going to have a subjective reaction to it. Yeah. But, I'm going to try my best to be calm about the feedback that you're going to yeah, give yeah. to the film. <laughs> I do think it's good. I do think it's genuinely good. I do think the pacing is not great. I do wish it like clipped along a little quicker because like, 
the last 20 minutes, I checked the timestamp because I was like, this has to be like ending in three minutes. And then it was like 20 more minutes. And I was like, how? How? Let me ask. Let me ask you this. And I know it's speculation. Mm -hmm. But if you had watched this for the first time when you were seven, Mm -hmm. do you think you would have liked it? That kept your attention. I think. I would say no, because it's deeply devoid of color. And I, that sounds so stupid. People of? But. Huh? Yeah. People of? <laughs> it does seem like that's a year. <laughs> Devoid of people of color. No. I mean, <laughs> yes. There's like two black people in the whole movie. But uh, no, it's de- like there's it's no like color. It's saturated? Ha- yes. It's like everyone oh. is wearing gray, tan, and beige. Oh. And all everything's dusty and dirty. And I understand that it's like <laughs> historically accurate. But like I don't go see movies for historical accuracy, girl. They're dancing and singing. Yeah, oh, I feel like you're a little bit sequ- not giving yourself enough credit as a seven-year-old. But show me some sequenced, okay? Give um, me a sequenced dress. It is yeah. not. It is not high camp. As much as we were joking earlier that it was giving, she's it's, serving papes. It's it mask drag for camp. sure. Yeah. It's mask drag. Oh, There's not a gay character in this I wanna movie. I want to talk. I want to talk about crazy. mask drag later. Oh yes. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, RJ, what do you think? Yeah, that's I think. You, you watch it seven. I really like this movie when I watched it. I agree with the sentiment that like it did uh, could have been quicker, but I was also fine with it because I thought it was a TV movie. So I was like, oh, this makes sense because of the commercial breaks. Like there were like, <laughs> there were like peaks and valleys. And, and when it did kind of like just slow down a little bit, I was like, oh, okay, because we're leading up to a, to a commercial. I mean, there was a, a, a wipe for God's sakes. Like in front of the transition. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so yeah, this is fine. Um, I, I did kind of like put myself in like, if I, uh, was a child and saw this, like not in theaters, obviously because we weren't born yet, but, or I was like two, uh, or one, but if I had like seen it, like, um, like, uh, in a VHS or whatever, I think I would have been in the same camp of like, I would have been obsessed with this musical. Mm. I would have absolutely had the biggest crush on both David and Jack Kelly. Like, I, w- I think I would have been like, I would, I, f- I felt like I would have had my first, like, um, foray into creative writing, let's say, at that formative age where I would like write, Don't... like, I genuinely, as what I was pad? watching it, I genuinely would have been like, I think I would have been one of those kids who were like, I think they are in love. <laughs> Like I just written some stories along uh, those lines. Absolutely, absolutely. I would have had. I would have had a. I would have had a vivid imagination about Jack Kelly and David. I think. I think that's interesting because I feel like David is not a heartthrob in this movie. So the fact that you see it for him is interesting. I think it was the kind of like the playful banter between because I liked that Jack Kelly kind of had like someone to like, you know, like. So it's more the relationship between them. Yeah, yeah. And it like, was more. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And I was like, oh, I want to, I want. Yeah. I can feel that. I mean, I think they have really good friend chemistry. And so I can mm-hmm. see like, like speculating out from You'd there. You'd want it to continue further. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I remember being like, I, I think like when I was a kid, I watched a lot of anime and I would do a lot of that. Or, like imagining of like pairing different people. And I think I gotcha. would have been in the same camp mm. uh, pairing these two boys together. Um, but yeah, I definitely like, I felt like if I was, if I was a kid, I would have fully been like, I am, I am a pape through and through. Um, I am a pape. I'm not a, I'm not a newsie. <laughs> that's, I'm yeah, a pape. That's what they, that's what they call them. The, yeah. the newsie fans. The fans. Yeah, yeah. The fans, the fans. Um, but they call like, us, uh, actually, it's like a cute 
<laughs> but yeah, like in in this watch, they're like watching it last night. I thought I thought that it was still like a, a solid like movie musical. I I couldn't help but compare it to the Disney Annie like constantly of like okay same kind of like because again you thought it was a TV same movie, feel because yeah. also I thought it was a TV movie and I'm pretty sure it was the same shot when they go into like Daddy Warbucks's house <laughs> that one time where they were going into Pulitzer's mansion I was like this looks okay, exactly yeah. like I think it's the same set I do think that's the same set yeah. um, exactly. the big gate there's the big gate yeah, yeah. yeah and the steps so I was like wait a minute um so I. I couldn't help but make those uh, make those comparisons, but I thought it was good. I, I I think like the oh, my only note would be yeah, quick in the pace and just like a touch more camp, like just a little bit mm-hmm. more like. I I mean, my big note is like, why are there no women? I mean, I understand why there's no women, but like historically there were news girls, so it's very funny that like, right. it's only boys. But Molly, yeah, what is your? And that's fine. You can be totally subjective about this. I don't care. Yeah, this is not this is not real. Um. What is your this favorite? This isn't real. We're actually not producing this podcast. Yeah, we haven't been recording this is, this is a single moment of this for sure. Um, what is it's your? It's about Sisyphus and how how um how oh, at like... peace he is because he knows what he does with his morning. <laughs> Media literacy. We live in far hell. too little. <laughs> oh, we are the rock that Sisyphus is trying to push over the hill. Um. Molly, what are your what are no 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 what are your what are your what's your favorite thing about this movie? Mm. If you could distill it into being like, what is it about Ooh. it that is so good? Is it Christian Bale's a dreamboat? I would buy that. I mean, I, I, major factor. Although I would, yeah. he's not my number one crush in the movie, so we'll have to talk it's, about that. Is it Spot? It's definitely Denton. It's <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's Bill Pullman. It's Bill Pullman for me as a child. Absolutely. <laughs> is, is it Pirate? Is it Teddy Spot? Roosevelt? Is it Sarah? <gasps> it's important to your life plot. Do you, me, do you want me to? Do you want me to answer now, or should we just wait for later for me? To... Is this your MVP? No. So okay. Okay. Yeah, just say it now. Yeah, yeah. answer it now. Oh, it's Spot. <laughs> I, yeah. Spot. I wrote this down that I was like, this is actually my sexual awakening character, and there is a moment when the Brooklyn guys come mm-hmm. in Arrive. Mm-hmm. and Spot opens the door and then turns around and his hair sort of like falls in his face. And I was like, this is, this is non-binary mask energy. And this is the swagger Mm. that's like, this is everything I want in a partner, regardless of gender. Do you know what I mean? When that happened, I genuinely was like, spot looks like, like a non-binary hottie, like now, like this is the look right now for sure. You can go to Brooklyn today and find people walking around in this look a hundred percent Williamsburg, baby. Let, Let me also say in talking about how, I feel about the people in this movie that like it is weird now watching it at like 31 and they like are all 16 and so like <laughs> yeah. obviously they're children but yeah, I yeah. did watch it when I was when you were a child them, and these people are all in their like late 40s now so yes. like yeah it's a weird it's a weird zone with this but um yeah absolutely I just had a huge spot on spot huge spot on spot a huge crush on spot and uh but no Jack also I mean Christian Bale I feel like I He's feel like so you watch this movie, this movie and you go I I have no questions about how this person became a movie star, right? Like absolutely, he's not the best dancer, he's not the best singer, and it doesn't matter at all. But the like the whole thing about him and David is like he is the charismatic leader. He's got the trust, he's got Mm -hmm. the leadership, and David has the brains to like really know how to organize. Makes perfect sense because you just see him in this movie and you're like, I would listen to anything this man says. Like Mm -hmm. he is so charismatic Mm -hmm. and. 
he's like i just think he's perfect in this role he's so good i mean he's truly so good in this movie it's kind of crazy he apparently didn't tell any of his friends that this he got cast in a musical like nobody knew because he was kind of like embarrassed about it which is funny which is why it flopped at the box office because christian bale didn't bring any of his friends he to didn't go tell see it. any of didn't his tell friends to go. um well that's fascinating it's spot so spot is the reason you like this movie got it okay i would not say that that's true <laughs> i think that i think that there's a lot of cute boys uh-huh. i think it has good music I think it has fun dancing and I, I also think, think as dancing. a kid I think I think as a kid you love movies that are about like a whole group of kids that are all like a yes. found family together right mm-hmm. and so it has to the Annie thing like it has this like we all live together we all stand up for each other what like I think you want that like big group of kids that you could be a part of and they'd be your community and stuff so I think that's also something that I really loved as a kid and it was also like I felt like a lot of 90s kids like the very nickelodeon like it's us versus them it's like again kids against adults like that was like but i felt is, like ni- very 90s sentiment we have kids. to talk about this because i thought about this watching the movie this to me and this may sound crazy and you may not agree but to me this does not feel like what has now become to be known as the disney type of musical yeah. there is something that feels more nickelodeon about yeah, this than yeah. disney and i think it's because <laughs> In the war for children's programming in the late 90s, early 2000s, Nickelodeon was very, it is kids versus adults, mm-hmm. and it's like us versus them. We slime lot. adults. Like that's and how, and that's Disney's corner of the market was they said, it is a, you, it's a family thing. Like, every, like you operate with your family, your parents are important to you. Like you're, it's not, no one's against unless anybody. Unless they're dead, which most of the time they are. Unless they're dead, but... which they are yeah. frequently. But it's it's never like you're operating against them. And it is so funny that this movie is like, this couldn't be more us, us versus, versus them. them. <laughs> it's yeah. union. But in like an actually really important way, and I'm really excited to talk about how the whole strike plays mm-hmm. out and and how oh, it God. like is based on real events and how it talks about there, power. There like, goes I think... the liberal. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> here's the california it's about to speak yeah. i think it does it on like a really great level of like kids can understand like it's not above kids heads but they're mm-hmm. also getting into some sort of subtle points so um yeah i think it's really good and uh oh what was i gonna say with the Nicole? the one thing that i didn't i didn't suggest it for family movie night this week because i was like i haven't watched it in a while i don't want to say for sure it's like still up to 2023 standards of what kids should be watching mm-hmm. the only thing that i'm like mm, i should like run that by the parents first is uh they like beat each other up a lot in this movie yes. and there's like true. specifically like the delancey brothers beat people up but they're the bad guys so that's fine I-, I feel like that's kind of within the realm of fine but like the newsies do a lot of like threatening to and actually beating up people who go against them in the strike and there's a lot yeah. of like good for them hooray for physical intimidation to achieve your mm-hmm. political means that's like which is funny not so much because the the only like parental guidance that they showed at the top of the sh- of the movie was on disney tobacco plus was use. tobacco use because that one kid like oh, smokes a cigar but I there guess, is a yeah. lot of like fighting like they are fully fist fighting also yeah. they don't show it but they say that um the little brother is it wes less 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 drinks a beer to oh, sell a pape yeah so funny so that's wild i mean it is hilarious and also like beer yeah. then was probably what like point point zero eight percent right like, it's, yeah. there's no alcohol it's water at that point uh funny let's talk about the opening number which is potentially my favorite song in the whole musical actually in part because like i learned with my sister and stuff but the, <laughs> the way that they say... 
I thought you were going to be like, it's potentially my favorite song in the <laughs> great American song <laughs> The way that they like layer the lyrics on top of each other and mm -hmm. the way that it brings you into the world. I feel this is yet another masterclass in, um, what is the word for telling you about things before and setting up the Exposition? world? Exposition. World it was another Z-O-M-B-I-E-S-3 masterclass in establishing you knew everything you needed to know about the the time period the way these these characters like their culture with each other mm -hmm. the way that they relate to each other specifically we see them on the boarding house you know that they're like they don't have parents we see them get the stuff from the nuns and then we have the mom who walks through talking about missing her son so you know that like Crazy. some of these kids are runaways yeah. right like you learn so much about them and then they even tell you like the circumstances are we have to buy these newspapers we have to eat the cost if we don't sell every newspaper that we buy mm -hmm. like you're learning the actual relevant historical like the relevant context of like the economics of the system that are going to mm -hmm. cause a strike right i think mm -hmm. it's so well done let's hear it let's hear the entry in the great That was great. You know what I love? That everyone in this movie is committed to the craziest Brooklyn accent I've ever heard in my life. Oh, yeah. It's so good. It's I so actually good. said to RJ that I was like, should I just do an accent the whole episode tomorrow, like for fun? And then I forgot that I said that until just now. So yeah. I really shit the Never can on that to start. one. Yeah. Um, there are a couple times where it. I feel like Christian Bale's Englishness kind of seeps into the uh -huh. accent a little bit. Like, if he says the word food, because he says thing like, I stole some food. And then, like, the kid says, like, food in a way that almost is like, like, out. Oh, are you sure that that's how you're going to pronounce that? <laughs> I will say, Christian, Christian Bale does a lot of lip acting. Like, I've never seen his, he already has pouty lips, but his lips are so pouty in this entire performance. It's so great. And I think that, yeah, the certain words are pronounced that way too because of it. You know what I do like about this movie is that it gets right to it. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. it gets right to the plot of the film. Like, we don't spend a lot of time meandering about... They don't have to do a lot of, like, explanation of, like, what a newsie is and blah 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 They just, like... Perfect exposition in the move in the song. In the song! Exactly. It's the song! It's the song! The song solves all of our problems. Um, do you... Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Really how do you feel as non-biased watchers in terms of the strength of this as an opener? Oh, I think it's really good. Yeah, I really like this song. Um, I do want to talk about this solo that this the woman woman has in the, the middle. Yeah, the Patrick Mother. Darling solo. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, when exactly. Paul comes in. I'll here. I'll just play that little segment. Patrick, just in the Africa, darling, something to wake me up. Since you I gotta me, buy an I gotta sell more pages. So 
I saw online, and this is from IMDb, so this isn't. This could be real. This could be fake. Allegedly, the mom looking for her son is looking for Spot Conlon because he was born, the actual Spot Conlon, who apparently was a real person, was born Sean Patrick. Mm. So that's who they think that that is a reference to. Now, also, it could just be a generic Irish immigrant who's looking for her generic Irish (laughs) son named Patrick. They lost a lot of kids back then. It's just, you misplace them when you have so many. And when you're drunk. Um, So, yeah, I get it. (laughs) Not the Irish community coming for us. I'm canceled. Um, So, yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Anything? um, I, I, I like the song. I also watched, because Disney Plus immediately suggested it, the... The, the pro shot the of pro the shot, yeah. Broadway so you version. did watch it um well I didn't watch the whole thing I just watched I fast forwarded and watched like my favorite songs just to compare those yeah. um and they changed like a lot of lyrics in carrying the banner and mm. I don't really know why because there's not really anything in it that I think is problematic like maybe there are a few things that you you say oh yeah let's update that but like it's like really substantive and it seems like all of the lines are like they mean basically the same thing and they just put different words in it for some mm. reason I don't know if they wanted to be like we want to do like a hard reset for the folks who are coming in thinking they they know this already but I know Disney theatrical they love doing that they love switching up things like sometimes they'll do it from obviously like from the film to a Broadway but sometimes when they do Broadway to a tour they'll switch up lyrics they'll switch up songs sometimes so yeah Keeps it there was a lot like there's like a there's a line that's like summer stinks and winter's waiting and then they changed it to like summer stinks and winter's freezing and I was like yeah I mean I guess that's also true but like why <laughs> yeah mm. I wonder I mean, if it's I like a more if... of an audience thing of like make it more obvious like yeah I mean I guess if because if you say summer stinks and winter's waiting to me I would probably hear that and my first thought would be like, oh, we're heading into winter. Like we're closer to winter than the story actually takes place. Oh, like it's fall, mm. I guess. Yeah. But it's also setting up my favorite line in this in this song, which is, it's summer sinks and winter's waiting. Welcome to New York. We improves our circulation. Walk until we fall. Because get it? Circulation, like in yeah, your yeah. body, yeah, but also like circulating it. newspapers. News. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's a double meaning. <laughs> It's a double meaning, just like the world newspaper, which I did need to learn as a child was the name. (laughs) I needed to learn that the world was the name of the newspaper because my sister and I did think that Pulitzer was just a megalomaniac who truly believed that he created the world because that's like one of his first lines. (laughs) That's not clear. When I created the world and we were like, what? That's so, not clear. Yeah, I hate to that tell you, we had subtitles on, clear. and yeah. so we it was clear to us because they capitalized the world. But right. in 1992, if you were going to see this movie, there's no way you would know that that's what they meant. And also, and like, it's meant to be right, like a like a double meaning situation of like he's sure. he didn't literally think he created the world, but like he sees himself as this big titan and whatever. But sure. like, it is not clear. <laughs> no, it's not. That one doesn't work for me, yeah. um, especially because like obviously it's historically accurate in terms of like. It was it was the world, and then uh, Hearst's was the journal, um, so that's like true or whatever. But I was like, you probably could have, because like technically the paper they were worried about selling was the Evening uh, World, uh, that was the the Evening newspaper version. But blah blah blah. I who cares? would also like to say while we are talking about Hearst that I recently watched another one of my favorite general category movies, which is Ocean's Eleven. And the voice that Robert Duvall is doing in this is the exact same voice that Andy Garcia does as Terry Benedict in Ocean's Eleven. Oh. And I I've was not like, seen, I haven't this... seen Ocean's Eleven so long. 
I was like, is this the overlap? Is this why I like both of these movies? Is like, I love this villain voice. I will say this is textbook villain voice. Like, I feel like they need to teach this. Yeah. I like how cartoonish the, villains, the are. villains are in this. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost think. Like full Rocky and Bullwinkle. This is, I think my biggest problem with this movie, um, truly, is that like, it sometimes feels like it doesn't know if it wants to be a movie that is for children or a movie that is like for anybody who wants to watch it. Because like, I think the kids stuff is like pretty Wacky. not kid. I don't know. Th- Cause I think the like strike business is like not for kids. Like it's not like, I think like, kids can watch it and appreciate it, but I don't think it's like, this is for the the youths and they'll really understand a, a percentage of a cent or whatever. Like that is like very specifically and I think like just general drama vibes. Whereas like all of the villain performances are like, well, I'm I'm a Disney villain now, so I'm going to give you cartoon character, which I think is great. But I I think there's like a little bit of like a dichotomy there. I think that this movie is trying to be for 12 year old boys specifically. Mm. And I think that we don't know how to market to that age group. I think that might be the box office explanation really is that it's for older kids and i feel like we kind of forget that they exist as like their own market and once you get to that age is when you also went to you want to start watching like just adult things right like you're Mm -hmm. ready to be a grown-up you're excited about that and you know it's the thing that i think i've said before that like kids are kids always want to like watch media about the next stage of life Mm -hmm. so like when you're in middle school all you want to watch stuff about high school and your high school all you want to watch stuff about college so like i think that might be it is that i think that there are lots of kids who are like old enough to get the stuff that's happening with the strike, but also young enough to love the songs and like a little bit more presentational acting and that kind of thing. And we just mm-hmm. like, we're not used to that group being marketed to, yeah. except for in poisonous ways. You know what I mean? <laughs> like people are trying to sell them sure. cigarettes, but like not, yeah. I made you a good movie to watch. Sure. Um. Yeah. Movie specifically mo- like general visual media. It doesn't really work. Video games. They've got it figured out. They know what they're doing. Video games have the 12-year-old sector on lock. I mean, again, I don't know, always in a responsible way. Sure, but that's uh, capitalism. But it's not going to be responsible anyway. range so. of video games that exist, obviously. I'm not vilifying all video games. But yeah, I think, uh, and do you know what? I'll say it. I think Jack Kelly's a great role model for a 12-year-old boy. If your son is watching Andrew Tate, try showing him Newsies instead. Yeah, <gasps> that's it. I think also that like Jack Kelly is i like that he has like a crisis of conscience or like he has like a moment where he like fall he like the hero's journey where he like falls and then has to like redeem himself basically i like that a lot about i think we you start using jack kelly as the like example of learning the hero's journey Mm. i think it's time to Mm. who wrote that joseph campbell joseph campbell i think when we teach hero's journey in like high school lit like english classes i Mm -hmm. think we need to um retire luke skywalker okay we've heard it been there done that yeah boring let's, let's I think we need to mandate newsies in the curriculum yeah i think let's let's see what you have to say about that um santas what what if we make what if the we Santis, make newsies yeah. a mandatory part of the curriculum yeah. keep keep all the books away but you get to watch newsies so. yeah let's talk about when they buy the the scene right after the opening mm-hmm. they start buying um, papes they start buying some papes and we get this setup of like Jack and David are going to be in a partnership because Jack is like, your little brother is really cute mm-hmm. and 
We're going to oh, self papers Adam is yes. raising his hand Adam. on the Zoom. I also want to commend this movie for doing the thing of I love I love when movies do this and I'm 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 being very serious where like it's a foreign concept to most people so they have the audience surrogate and I think this movie does it so well and like efficiently where they get David and his brother in there and then they have the like back and forth of like kind of explaining what is going what's on the, what's the world? in by explaining it to David so then the audience can catch right. up and then we're all on board. I just I I love like, it's so good. Yeah. And it's like a well-balanced explanation because Les is like immediately on board and believes everything Jack says and David is more skeptical. But mm-hmm. like we know ultimately that like they are right to trust Jack, but like it makes sense to not be sure about it. Yeah, because it's um, 1899. Yeah. Here's a question. They call Mr. Weisel Weasel. Mm-hmm. Is it? <gasps> oh. I didn't think about I that. I didn't think about that. I just, <sighs> I just feel like because it's like, oh, you're like, being miserly and stuff that I was like, I'm not in love with it. I did notice that they kept it in the stage show. So at least it hasn't, it's not a thing that like people raised issue with mm-hmm. for the, ad- the more modern adaptation. But I mean, like, it's a funny, it's a funny bit to have, to have the guy that sells the papers and like everybody calls him weasel, like separate from his ethnicity. It's like, I, I get it. I get having a character like that. And it's very like memorable as a kid. To, like know who they're talking about but i just was concerned about the i think it just straddles the line too close it's um, yeah it's a little too close for comfort i think is really adam is looking at the i'm looking at the etymology of the of the name for the animal weasel just to be sure oh. that it's not like um it's fine yeah I, yeah it comes from i guess bison. i'm not saying i don't know that the bison. i don't know that like the I'm not it's necessarily the, like that, like the name weasel was used specifically against Jewish people. I'm just saying like, no, yeah, I was, yeah. I just got nervous for a second that like, that's what actually did happen doing, in history. And I was like, oh God. Every time that you called an animal a weasel <laughs> that you were doing a slur accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Um, I did not think about it in the moment, but now that you say it, it probably is. Probably is. But also like, is it, just that the screenwriters were like, oh, it it's a word that sounds the same. I mean, like, I, that's not, that doesn't excuse I wouldn't anything. be shocked yeah. if they, like, started with the idea of, like, let's give the guy who sells the newspapers a, like, memorable nickname mm. and decided right. on Weasel and then, like, worked backwards. I mean, sure. I will also say I'm pretty sure the Jacobs family is Jewish, so I feel like there's, like, positive Jewish representation balancing it out, but. Yeah. Um, Whose family? David. Jacobs fam. David and Les and Sarah. And Les and Sarah. Oh, who's Jacob? That's their last name. Jacobs is their last oh, name. Oh, Jacobs. The Jacobs family. I, w- I was hearing Jacob apostrophe S's family, and I was like, Jacobs what? family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, the Jacobs family. You, you, I missed 30 minutes of the movie, guys. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Yes. The Jacobs. Who's this David character? He was not really in it very much. <laughs> yeah. I guess if his name is David, <laughs> and that's all we're going on, I mean, that's a pretty strong safe bet, I think. I felt like the fact that his name is David Jacobs in combination with like the look of the actors that they cast in the role i mean mm, this is yes. this is an uncomfortable like we're speculating thing but and yeah. also it's like turn of the century new york city like mm-hmm. there sure. were a lot of jewish people there so yeah and he's and he's learned and he's learned he goes to school he goes to hebrew school um brag time yeah probably it's probably anti-semitic molly there's your answer <laughs> there you, go, you happy about that now you're the movie you like is anti-semitic I mean, there you go <laughs> they have a character named crutchy so like i'm pretty it's yeah. it's not outside the world that these kids would be calling each other. I like Crutchy. Yeah. 
character. I want to talk a little bit about Crutchy. I like Crutchy yeah. the movie fine. I think his character is so much better in the show. I think they really like, oh. gave him so much more to do. Don't they what like expand it? the role? I, I like I said, I saw bits and then I like read some blog posts from people who were comparing the movie in the stage show. You've never what? ever seen it. The whole thing? Yes. No, I I haven't because... Because you hate Jamie. Well, Jordan, actually, I think I didn't know... One, I didn't know that the first shot was on Disney Plus until... I just finished watching the movie and then I watched a bit of it. I will say going right between the two, it's a little jarring because they're like grown men and they're right up close and you can tell that they're grown men. And so I think if I watched it in a theater, it wouldn't bother me at all. But it was like weird to see Christian Bale at 17 playing the role and then be like, here is Jeremy Jordan, a 31-year-old man. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I agree. So yeah. Five years after he actually played it or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's Jeremy Jordan, so I and the dancing is great. I mean, that's it's truly like the I feel like the highlight of the it is musical. Yeah, um, but I, I do like Crutchy in this, that, yeah. and I wish he had more to do. Yeah, I guess I I think it's because in the show, Crutchy is kind of like given more of like a moral compass type character of like because of Crutchy, he gets the he gets the what's his name in Christmas Carol. Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim. He gets a Tiny, Tiny Tim, Tim narrative. Because, like, the violence gets, like, done to him and he gets he has to go to the refuge, that becomes, like, really the main thing that pushes uh, Jack Kelly into, like, wanting to do this to, like, free him. Um, and so it becomes, oh, like, a Oh, you're saying huge, in the stage show. In the stage show, yeah. And it becomes, like, arrest- a huge... Yeah. It, it motivates Jack's leadership in the strike or like causes the strike to happen a little bit more. It feels okay. like a little bit more like because he it's it's such a big moment. It's a catalyst. It's such a big yeah. moment when Crutchy like is free at the end and which it was kind of like highlighted in the and movie. He gets a song in the in the yeah. mm. in the show. I mean, look, I think in both cases, he's being used in a very sentimental way. The mm-hmm. Tiny Tim comparison sure. is really apt in that yeah. that it's like we are meant to feel bad for him. We are meant to feel like it is way over the line that the DeLuca brothers beat him up, which like, it, that's fair. That holds true. But mm-hmm. the, but he's used as like um, a sentimental narrative to motivate Jack and rather than being, you know, his own agent that's like yeah. causing things to happen that aren't related to like, I feel bad that you are crippled. Um, I did think it was funny that like, they say the word crip in the in the opening number and i was like mm-hmm. i'm sure that got cut from the musical but then but like crip studies is like a whole thing in like disability spheres and academia and so it's actually like it's been it's been this like reclaimed so it's like the word queer, it's queer right yeah mm. and um i was like it's funny that that's like accidentally the most progressive word then in the whole musical <laughs> now um but they weren't using it in that way mm-hmm. um at the time uh yeah i think it's too bad that crutchy is used in that way narratively i agree like i think the actor in the movie is really great and i remember really liking him and i do feel like he comes through as like he's more than just having a disability like he very clearly has a personality and they have a friendship and yeah i understand like in the stage show it's it's a more developed friendship as well although i saw some people say like they felt like jack and david's relationship kind of suffers in the stage show Mm -hmm. because so much of his relationship with crutchy is developed i think that was like my reaction i was like i i I almost forgot that david David existed because i was like oh i in from the experience of the show, it was just very focused on Crutchy, but here it really is just like, it's, it is a, a partnership. Yeah. I mean, it also like to, I think this movie by being like, it's all, it's all a bunch of similar looking boys. Like you have that <laughs> thing where it's like, okay, well you remember Crutchy because he's, he's the one with a crutch. Like it's very like, yeah. 
how do you remember the characters of Scooby-Doo? Well, one's wearing green, one's wearing orange, one's wearing purple, one's wearing white and blue. This is all yeah. just back to like how Adam identified it's colors. colors. And because we there's have... no colors in this movie. Yeah, the yeah. characters in this are the main character, his sidekick, the kid with crutches, the guy who talks with the really strong accent and is betting on horses all the time. And yes. then and Boots, the black kid. And then um, Mush, who's the neutral character that I don't really know why he's in it, but I did yeah, learn today, is now married that. to Adina Menzel. So oh, good oh. for him. Wow. Huh. The guy who plays Mush is Adina Menzel's second husband. I couldn't even tell you and which one I was one like, Mush hey, Diggs, to that guy. Okay. Mush, Mush was A the choice. one who had more of the like solo in King of New York, right? Was that Mush? Yeah. Yeah, but well, he, like he doesn't one... have really a thing. Mm-hmm. No, but he was like yeah. a lead in. in there's King also of... the guy with the eye patch, which I also learned today is a is a reference to the real guy that Jack Kelly is based on. Yeah, yes, oh. the yes. real strike leader had an eye patch. Yeah, yes, cool. Should we talk about Santa Fe, my old friend? Yes, let's open up a, a dream sequence. What part of this was is it? real? Was it a true Santa? Okay, so I thought it was a dream sequence. And then halfway through, I realized it wasn't because that hat, his little cowboy hat, showed up out of nowhere. He was not wearing a cowboy hat, and then he was wearing a cowboy hat. That is and then... That's a bridge too far. That's you were so like, where did he get that? I think so. Santa Fe, are you there? Do you swear you won't forget me? If I found you, would you let me come and stay? I ain't getting any younger And before my dying day I want space Not just air Let him laugh in my face I don't care Save the place I'll be there So that's what they call a family Ain't you glad you ain't that way Ain't you glad you got a dream called Santa Fe. I, I I wish it was a little tidier in terms of like, I think there's a lot of moving parts of this movie. And I wish like maybe his parents were just in Santa Fe. Like it wasn't, I don't mm. know. Like I, I don't love the, oh, what is it? The okay. reserve? What is it called? <laughs> the Hague? The Refuge. The Refuge. <laughs> I don't love the refuge. You think it's because because Santa Fe is so specific that like it really it, you were also duped like like David of like no because like I have seen it before so I knew it wasn't or real. like not duped but just like it felt too unrealistic because it's See, like, because I, it was so honed in on a specific thing. Yeah, I really like the whole like he lied about what's going on with his parents thing because well it's interesting that at first you think maybe David is actually quite perceptive because he like immediately invites Jack over for dinner and even suggests he stay there and I was like oh so is he like is he like this kid that's like unusually socially adept and and is like I think maybe this kid needs a good meal you know so I'm gonna invite him over but I think it's just I think you understand later like no he really just is like a very generous kind person and that's why he invited Jack over and I think it's interesting to have it be to have David feel betrayed by the information that Jack lied about his parents being in Santa Fe because it kind of shows David's privilege that mm-hmm. he he doesn't he's not able to immediately empathize with like why might Jack have lied about that that's not really about you and like not having told you the truth specifically it's it's like obviously because he wishes that were the case and he that's like 
how he gets through the world is through like having that fantasy that that his parents are in Santa Fe and he's going to go join them there. So I actually thought in terms of like, again, like being four kids and seeing the characters kind of grow and mature during the course of the movie, I really liked that part of it. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of moving parts of the movie. And I... Wish well, if was... you just watched it a thousand times when you were a it child, be that maybe complicated. you understand all of the nuances, <laughs> what's happening. Um, no, that's like, fair. I, I, mean... I don't, I still don't know if I totally get the, um, why do I not remember what it's called? What is it called? Newsies. No. The <laughs> Refuge. The Refuge. I don't know if I understand that plot. That it's like, like a... I don't really understand the Delancey brothers. I don't really understand the ward. I mean, I understand objectively that like he was he got arrested for stealing food and then he was at the refuge, which I guess is the the juvie juvie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then he escaped. I don't know how the Delancey. I truly don't understand how the Delancey brothers fit in. I think they're just scabs, right? They just work for they just they're just employees of the newspaper and they just hate they just hate the news. But why do they take him to the why do they take people to the refuge? I think it's just that Pulitzer is like working with the system it's just the like the powerful guy can pull all the strings he want he can do something like get jack taken to the refuge but he's not like it's not like they're like literally delivering him right there it's just the same way that like the that snyder has a relationship with the judge and so he knows that once jack's in front of the judge he'll get sent to the refuge that like pulitzer also has a relationship with all the same powerful people that he can get jack sent to juvie i guess i was also confused because i'm an idiot and also b because um they the Delancey brothers are like I think too young like I wish they were played by someone a little bit older I like I understand that they look different than everybody else but I I mean yeah it was a lot more upsetting if they were like really grown up but yeah yeah and I think like this the whole idea of I if they explain just a little bit more about like newsies versus scabs like because they were all the same age they're not scabs RJ isn't that what they're, a, that what they're a scab is somebody who who goes and takes a job that someone is on strike from oh, who didn't previously do that job. I, this entire time, I kept thinking that like scabs are like hired help, like for the actual the world, like, like a the, stooge, like the newsies that were that yeah. kept working, oh. basically, as opposed to the newsies that were on strike. Oh no! So no, no, no. okay, so, it so can be that... someone who who was a newsie and kept work. So either I was always uh... a newsie and I keep working as a newsie even though they're on strike. Or it can be like, I wasn't a newsie, but now they're advertising in the paper, like, come be a newsie. So I'm going to go do that because the, cause the other newsies are on strike. It's someone who breaks, they, the, breaks the line. Breaks the line. Breaks, breaks the line. Yeah. They are just, they, they're like management. Like they, they're, well, really, <laughs> we can get into the research I did now. Yeah, yes. Really, like Weisel and the Delanceys are employees of the world. And uh, the newsies are independent contractors. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. So, like so the Delanceys like work for Pulitzer. They're pulling in a salary consistently. <laughs> they're yes. at higher level. Whereas the newsies have to go and buy their papers and they just like work for themselves. They're independent yes, contractors. Yes, yes. They're independent contractors. And W2 I learned 1099. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not joking that I read a legal review or, uh, article about how the newsboy strike impacted current day independent <gasps> contractor regulations. Whoa. Whoa. So like we could Let's we do a little detour it. of like the history and the law. Absolutely. Yeah. Just what everybody I wanted say, to hear. 
quick shout out <laughs> quick shout out to Rita who when I was accepting this job offer this past weekend at one point was giving me advice and I was like but I'm not sure because of blah 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 and then she was like I'm pretty sure I know what I t- I'm talking about because she was the head of employment law for a fortune 500 company before Slay. she retired so I I did look like a little bit of an idiot that's um, a Jack, that's some Jack Kelly level confidence right there from Rita oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah real Jack Kelly swagger um okay I read an article for today called Shocker. Who Can Seize the Day? Analyzing who is an employee for purposes of unionization and collective bargaining through the lens of the Newsy Strike of 1899 oh, by Hannah Esquenazi from the Boston College Law Review 2018. Mm. So, Jesuit school. A Jesuit school. We love it. My brother went there. Um, the the setup i know adam you also did some research on the strike history so like you can maybe weigh in on some of the history but what's important to know this really happened right and as i understand it the the dynamic of like they're set there they have to buy the papers from the newspaper every day and also the sort of regional setup of newsies that they weren't a they weren't a higher organization it was just a bunch of young people mostly although they're like were also adults and older people who worked as newsies as well Mm -hmm. um that's all true. And there were like kind of different strike leaders a little bit in different territories and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What's important is that the difference between what happened in the movie versus the real events is the, the they're striking in the movie for the fact that they have to pay more. So Pulitzer has raised it from, I think it's 50 to 60 cents to get a hundred papers, Correct. hundred papes. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they just sort of win in the movie in real life. They did not change the price of the papes, but they did make a deal that the, that the the distributors, because a lot of them were actually like also independent newsstands that they would buy it off of. It wouldn't necessarily not be the, like one one distribution center. Um, that they they would buy back the unsold papers at the end of the at the end of the day, mm. so that the newsies had less financial risk. Then Pulitzer, though, very specifically, never met with them to end the strike. And throughout, they called the strike a boycott in all of the news coverage of it, not a strike, because they were not employees. They were vendors who weren't buying the newspapers. So, and I thought that was interesting because Jack has a line about power in the final scene where he talks about, it's not even about the money. It's about sort of like meeting with nobodies like us and giving us what we want. And that really reflects the real situation that like they never, he never met with the strike leaders. He never acknowledged it as a strike. It was always a boycott because mm-hmm. um, you could only unionize if you're employees. So mm. they did end up resolving it by just being like, we're just going to change this policy because there's a boycott happening. But like, we definitely didn't strike. In 1935, the National Labor Relations Act was passed, which guarantees rights to unionize, to bargain collectively and to take collective action, for example, striking. And also established the National Labor Relations Bureau, NLBR, which enfor- enforces workers' rights. And now right. that we all know, Slay. ladies and gentlemen, girls, gays, and, and theys, we all know what an, um, NLBR means. Uh, boys, if you would scroll down to the oh. um, linked article. Anniversary. Uh, so granddad Colleen, my great-grandfather, um, was a witness in a nlbr case Whoa. against his employer he was a labor organizer so i come from some uh organizers out in philly um this so this is grandma's mom's dad colleen thomas colleen uh thomas yeah. colleen the testimony of thomas colleen who started working at buds in 1919 shows the idea that the idea of an era did not exist until the afl local 18763 began an organizing drive in august 1933 Basically, Bud's as I understand like it, I think, 
Like, I don't think so. Okay. I'm not actually sure what this company was, um, but I think it was like a, they inspired basically to like wow. stop unions and yeah, my great grandfather testified against them. Union busting. Um, yeah. We're not having it. We're not having union busting. Not here. Not ever. So that happened in 1935. Mm-hmm. In 1944, the newsboys brought a case against Hearst Publications. So the, so the 1899 strike really happened, but then there was, there was yet more labor organizing that happened. Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court decided that the newsboys could be considered employees for the purposes of collective bargaining because basically it wasn't clear who was an employee in this yeah. 1935 law that passed. And they have simil- a similar economic interest in collective bargaining. So in response to that, then Congress changed the law. So they passed the Taft-Hartley Act in 1947, which specified that independent contractors do not have a right to unionize, which is still the current law. So today, only 43% of the U.S. labor force has the right to join a union based off of the laws and how many people are now categorized as independent contractors. Um, And even what makes someone an employee remains somewhat unclear because it depends on your state and there's different like Mm. ways that you would assess whether or not someone counts as an employee. Um, also interestingly, the, the price, uh, being raised actually happened originally in 1898. So the year before mm-hmm. during the Spanish American war, yes. because circulation was high because everyone wanted to read about the war. And so basically the newsies kind of, I mean, not like didn't literally notice, but like, it didn't matter so much because they were selling a lot, a lot. but it was when then that war ended and, um, things dropped back down in terms of circulation that then they started the strike because they said, okay, now this is really, really impacting us. Um, and our, you know, overall payout when the strike happened, then advertisers started to pull out probably both because circulation was down, but also some of them might've been sympathetic to the newsies. Um, mm. the papers tried hiring adult newsies and said that they pay them $2 a day, but then sympathizers with the strike would sign up and never show up to work. <laughs> so basically some of the, some of the grownups were on the kid's side in this. Mm. And apparently kid blink, who is the real character, real guy that Jack Kelly is very clearly based on because he was this really charismatic, um, leader of the newsies, mm-hmm. um, and was about, I think also about 18, but had the eye patch, um, said at this, the big rally that they had that we see in the movie, I'm trying to figure out how 10 cents on a hundred papers can mean more to a millionaire than it does to a newsboy. And I can't see it. And I think that that line absolutely eats. Um, so we love it. And, uh, he, and he also, Jack Kelly is very clearly based on him because there was at one point a rumor that he what he had like made a deal with Pulitzer and Hearst mm-hmm. and that he like had more money. And so people thought that he was working for the newspaper leaders basically. Um, and then he stepped down. So it was never like really clear if that really happened or if it was just a rumor. So he lost mm-hmm. trust because of the rumor. Um, but yeah, that is the true story of how newsboys, um, unfortunately caused the current laws related to independent contractors that are now being exploited to an exponential degree, I feel like in our oh, yeah. post 2008 recession economy. I want to add just a couple more details that yeah. I saw. Um, <clears throat> so, um, the specifically the afternoon editions of the the evening editions of the newspapers were the ones that newsies would sell predominantly because the morning editions would be the ones that subscribers would get delivered to their door, basically. Mm-hmm. So they would go out. Like I made a point when we started watching this movie that I was like, they are getting up way too late to go start selling (laughs) newspapers i was like we got we need to be up with the crack of the dawn sweetheart um so no that's not what's happening um so that was more for my mental acuteness that i learned that um a lot of the the only two papers that uh didn't 
reduced their price back down to 50 cents after the Spanish American war was the evening, the evening world and the evening journal, which is why Pulitzer and Hearst specifically are called out in this film. Yeah. Um, and then just for dates for everybody. So the strike officially starts on July 18th, 1899, and it goes until August 2nd, 1899. So it's about like two and a half weeks or just over two weeks. Um, the uh, There was a group of newsboys that turns over a distribution truck in Long Island. And then the next day, Manhattan and Brooklyn newsboys join the strike. Um, and at the beginning, the attacks were there. There was violence. They were attacking anyone who was like deemed a scab. Um, unless it was a news girl, and the quote from the quote from one of them was, "A feller can't soak a lady." Which, fair enough. Fair enough. Chivalry, and they say chivalry. Chivalry. Yeah. And it wasn't in 1899. Um, <laughs> um, I yeah. I also learned from I didn't read this article, but I read like, the abstract of an article that apparently news girls were like very people talked about them a lot in mm-hmm. the attempts to end child exploitation. Cause it was like this very visible thing of like, look at these young girls out on the streets trying to sell newspapers. And so they were like used as like a real political tool that people would point mm-hmm. to them and be like, this is what a shame on our society that these girls are out here trying to sell newspapers. Yeah. Um, but they did. I mean, like they showed in the movie that like girls were still working. Like they weren't just, they weren't doing that. They were like doing, like yeah it seems like it's implied that they're like garment workers and stuff yeah Yeah. which is i think maybe a a reference to the triangle shirt face factory fire that happened in 1911 um love that you know the year the triangle shirt face factory fire i checked it before before because i thought it would come up yeah um and then july 24th 1899 was a rally held at irving hall um it was formed or it was like organized by a state senator a new york state senator at the time mm. um and there were a bunch of business leaders that talked and then there were seven over seven thousand newsies in attendance and there was wow. a bunch of speeches from like the union quote-unquote union leaders of the newsies uh reinforcing their demands ended with a song blah 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 blah, blah. Um, and then after the rally, the boys turned nonviolent, but it was like Molly was saying, it was because the public was on their side so much that people actually stopped by specifically looking to purchase those publications. So, mm-hmm. um, the public was like agreeing with the sentiment of the newsboys that it wasn't fair. Uh, and then, um, there were two, there were two union leaders who, uh, had rumors that they had betrayed the strike and accepted money from executives, um, uh, kid blink, Mike Molly said, it, and then also David Simmons, who was the um he was actually the president of the quote-unquote union and um he stepped down and he seemed to be who david is based off of yeah um and they ultimately resigned from their leadership positions and i think david became like the treasurer and then kid blink was just like because he because kid blink was like a leader but he wasn't like a a named officer if that makes sense yeah um and then yeah august 2nd 1899 is when the compromise was accepted so in order to make sure that they didn't have to stay out all night, they were able to sell their papers back to the distributor that they did. Yeah. So. I think that I love kids media. That's like, look at these kids who did something that they're like, here's a real historical thing. where like, these kids all work together and they really accomplished something. And I think that that is so sick. And I understand why they made it into a movie. And I don't know why more people didn't want to see it. <laughs> I mean, I, this movie is so not, capitalist it's like wild <laughs> like it's yeah, like it's yeah. it's so i i've never you, seen a it movie it can't be that union sentiment was so low in 1992 that people didn't want to see this movie right i mean were people that like again people who were adults in 1992 please write in and please tell us in. what tell the us union sentiment was in 1992 unions yeah. in 1992 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, honestly, it really boils down to they had no idea how to market this movie. Because yeah. I would have no idea how to market this movie. Yeah. Like, and I'm a clownfish. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, like, I just think, like, it's, it's a very specific film. It's like, you could market it as a musical, but it's not like, it's not like a lot of other musicals. It really has its own vibe in terms of, like, musical theater. It's obviously, there's not, like, a romance. Like, there is technically a romance. The, there is, work. but yeah, it's pretty minor. Is this yeah. the only adaptation of this story in a, in a film? In a film, yes. There is a children's historical fictional novel um, about it, and mm-hmm. I forget what it's called. And then there's also a comic book that you can mm-hmm. read that's based on this as well. Um, but there is no other visual media, I believe, from the, gotcha. the strike. Well, while we are discussing the strike, I would like to briefly talk about um, The World Will Know, which is the song that they sing to establish that they're going to go on strike. Mm-hmm. And my hot take is that this is a better song than Seize the Dead. And the world will know, and the journal too. There's the horse and pull, and so have we got notes for you. Now the world will hear what we've got to say. I don't have any arguments. I don't. I don't. I gotta be honest. This is not Alan Menken's strongest work. Um, so I just feel. I feel like a lot of the songs sound the same in this, and that's fine because that's kind of the vibe they're going for. Yeah, is they all sound like songs that would be sung at a union rally so i yeah, i get it i was i was really gonna say like i guess i never really i never really thought about the the communal song as like a a thing that happens like in union rally and like looking back at it now i'm like oh no that it's, tracks like, yeah that's it's a huge part a of huge mm-hmm. part. i did i worked on a uh I was at a labor conference, labor notes conference here in, in, which is like the main conference for like all like labor union organizers. And there was a lot of singing at the different workshops. So I was yeah. like, Oh, it's huge. I mean, a lot of <laughs> like, Ameri- a labor. <laughs> <laughs> I helped produce a stage reading of a play called seven minutes, which is a, uh, it was an Italian play about a, like a, a union coming together to vote. Um, it's, and then it was the, like, oh, okay. it was like the English, um, there was a, a production in New York where they had an English translation and there was a, a union organizer that watched it that was felt was like, we have to show this at the conference. So I helped kind of put it in. So it was fun. But yes, nice. it was like, it was such a crazy like experience of like, you know, like showing theater to like these, uh, these professionals that are used to like living and breathing in like communal, like, I don't know, passion and, and responsibilities. It was it was a really cool experience. There's a lot of uh, Amer- like the Great American Songbook, and this, I'm not saying this as a joke, but like there's a lot of historical folk country mm-hmm. in like that draws on like workers' union songs from mm-hmm. like the 1800s and the turn of the century. So I when I worked actually. at Children's Theater of Madison because their old offices were right downtown, which is right by the Capitol. Mm-hmm. One of the policies that they had to have was that you couldn't let kids like join in on any sort of like political things that were happening because we would like take them to the Capitol grounds for lunch. Um, and obviously, like we we like don't know what their political opinions, mm-hmm. their family's political mm-hmm. opinions, whatever, right? So like we we just we said, don't like we're just not yeah. gonna let them participate in any of that. So there was like a group that was like 
on the lawn that were like singing pro pro union songs <laughs> for like that's just like what they were doing that afternoon was like coming wow. to sing some union songs at the capitol because unions are a big thing in wisconsin act mm-hmm. 10 yeah. you made it so that all the government employees can't unionize anyway um and i was like look if these are my kids like we'd be here we'd be doing it right we'd be but, jamming like, absolutely i'm just a teacher i can't let yeah. them and then they come home and then they like sing a union song and like maybe their dad is a capitalist i don't know so like yeah. um yeah that's it's definitely a whole a whole thing. I think that I see your point, Adam, that it's all a little bit similar, but mm-hmm. I feel that this song and the sentiment that they are expressing, I guess maybe why I like this one better is that this it's is like the, this is the more, world you will know. This is the one you had to look yeah. up to know which one we were talking no, about. No, that was once and for all. Oh, that was once and for all. The, okay. Like last the song. Finale. Okay, got it. No, the world will know is the song that they sang right after they've decided they're going to strike. Going strike. And I think that oh, it's a little yes. bit more powerful of a song. And it's mm-hmm. like a here's our thesis statement and we're gonna do this that they'll listen to us, blah, blah, blah. Seize the day feels a little more like touchy feely, like we're just gonna like seize it. Like, when did the they hear like when did they yeah, sing it's a little the more day like, in in the context of the show? That it was it's the- like halfway through. I mean, that's the other thing about Seize the Day. It's like it's not really connected to like a big moment i, I feel like yeah. it's just like people David are just kind of starting it. to lose hope and yeah. it, it's well, a it's rallying Conlin, song yeah it's when spot conlon says you got to prove to me that you're gonna um oh you're gonna like be tough Molly's enough bow. and then they're like maybe yeah. not spot yeah Conlin. the love um, of my life spot conlon because that's the thing um, i i felt like it probably was more appropriate when they were like when they were at the strike that first time you know when they go in and they like fly out all the papers and stuff like that that to, in my mind could have been a more like cinematic a better use of like a song like seize the day of like let's no but i'm saying that i'm but i'm glad of where it is because i'm saying i just don't like seize the day as much so i'd, I'd rather it be relegated <laughs> rather to like, it a the... point in the plot <laughs> yeah i think it's yeah. beloved in the musical because it's like the big yes, dance number and so i did yeah. go watch that because i had heard that that was like this that's the one where they like they put their feet on, on the papers the, and the paper. stuff and yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's it's amazing dancing i totally understand mm-hmm. why in the stage show it's great i just think that like World Widow is like, we're doing this. We're serious. They're going to listen to us. This is why us. we're doing it. And Seize the Day yeah. is like, keep up. Like, just like, feel good, guys. Like, it's going to be good. And it's mm-hmm. just a lot less substantive of a song to me. Yeah. Carpe diem. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Seize the Day? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Add my to Gloria, madam, for the greater glory of God. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go Ramblers. Um, Go Ramblers. Oh, Captain, my captain. <laughs> Now is the time to seize the day. Now is the time to seize the day. Send out the call and join the fray. Send out the call and join the fray. Bronx will be riding. If we're united, let us seize the day. <laughs> Friends of the friendly seize the day. Friends of the friendly seize the day. Raise up the torch and light the way. Raise up the torch and light the way. Proud and defiant, we'll slay the giant. Let us seize the day. Neighbor to neighbor. I do have to talk about Anne Margaret. What the fuck is this plot? Okay, so I. So it feels like they were like this rally happened. It historically. Uh-huh. Yes. We got to work backwards. Um, we need. I explain why they're. We at need to get theater. a woman yeah. in this film. We, we need to let a woman be on screen be present yeah um and so this is what happened i want to say isn't there another movie where there is a character there's a boy who like grows up kind of like as a uh 
quote unquote like found family with like burlesque dancers and stuff? Nine. <laughs> so it's a li- it's a little like the sun in the birdcage or La Cage au Fall. Kind of, yeah. It's a little Maybe that. It is that. I was um, like, look, I think it's La it's Cage. a little bit Mame. How it's Mame. I think that's what yeah. I'm thinking. That's what you're thinking. Yeah, but yeah. there is it's also a plot in the Canadian murder mystery series. I love Murdoch. Uh-huh. That. Oh George my Krabbe, God! Yeah, but uh, there is that like the Murdoch trope. girlies will know. They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna scream. They're gonna the love Venn it. Diagram. They're gonna be writing. They're gonna be writing in so many emails. I also, I meant sex workers. Sorry, he was raised by sex workers. I, I apologize for Thank using you. an outdated term. Um, but yeah, no, I think like there's that trope that I, I liked it because I, I, I like that trope of like kids growing up and like something like like burlesque is to them just like that's just what you know my family does and so there's something like very charming about that that i liked that not necessarily like jack kelly grew up in that but i it it was giving that same vibe of like he has a a relationship with with meta and that she is kind of like seen as as someone that he can rely on which in the musical she was able to there were more dance numbers that she had like a full troupe it wasn't just like one woman so like that was nice that there's like a there's kind of like a parallel going on of like we are also kind of like seen as 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 a uh, yeah. a need that the city has, like people in the city come to us, but also but don't respect us as like something that people... I I think that the trouble is that she's a burlesque dancer in a kids movie, and so <laughs> she can't weird. do anything interesting. Yeah. She, That's exactly. also why High Times Hard Times is weird because what's ha- what's going on why right why also she's the only one also, that she's works. 50 what's happening in this movie <laughs> I, I almost just, yeah i almost wish that it was like a cabaret because they go to that restaurant all the time that i'm like if it was more of like yeah like a cabaret or something where like this is where all the kids go to eat too because she takes you know there's something like well, that where a restaurant if where they go she, if she could have like a yeah. combined she more been role. in king of new york yeah, yeah. That would be RJ good. just wants the the only female character to cook. Yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah, I love my matron character. He just wants a woman yeah. in the kitchen is really what RJ's looking I for. I think that, yeah, I mean, it's funny because <laughs> I agree that this is the worst. I agree that meta is like the worst part of the movie, even as someone who thinks it's unnecessary. perfect on the whole, which is also interesting because like I was such a girly girl and I usually was like all for like, oh yeah, let's like do this do tour for this woman in a pink dress. Like that was, that was my mm-hmm. vibe. Um, but I think it's that like the plot also just fully stops for both of those numbers. They it don't does. contribute at all. It feels no. like we're just watching this for some and reason. And now here's Anne Margaret. And also <laughs> the other thing yeah. too is like, so you got Anne Margaret, right? But she's not doing, she's not she's giving Anne Margaret. This, no. Like, it's like, if you yeah. were getting Anne Margaret, you want it to be like, well, at least we're getting this great classic Anne Margaret energy. That's not right. what's going on. She's like giving right. you like saloon girl. And it's like, She's just like standing straight and singing songs and like pointing with a big feather. And it's like, yeah, yeah, there's no backup dancers. There's no like concepts for the numbers. Like give us some follies. You know yeah. we live. We yeah. could have had um, a folly, a great oh, folly. Imagine the follies number that could have been in this. So like, it's weird. It feels like they were like, it's Anne Margaret. So we can't like put anything else on stage while she's on stage. But like, they didn't give her particularly interesting songs or choreography or anything mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. So yeah, I like, I like her as like a character. I like, the, I like in that I like the establishment of Jack and sort of like the rough and tumbleness of his life that, that mm-hmm. they're close. And he says, oh, she was friends with my father and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I do think that like, she's not adding anything in what she actually does. 
Or yes. it'd be cool if she like got him out. Well, I guess she can't get him out of the rally because he has to get arrested for the whole plot to make sense. But like if she were more involved in trying to sneak him out of the theater and then it would be like, oh, the fact that she's she works there and owns it could like be influential to how the rally goes down, you know? Yeah, it felt like she could have there there i could have seen a a role for meta that was kind of like some of the stuff that bill pullman's character did like maybe like she bailed them out or, or him out or like some things that like the other adults that have like provided like he could have slept at the cabaret instead of like the stair the fire escapes like there could have been ways to incorporate Except her as when he does sleep outside of the their it's really cute. You get your little ceremony. He's outside of their their window, and he yeah. says well, he didn't want to disturb them. It's cute. Yeah. So the big thing that the musical does before you watch it, Molly, because it's gonna blow your mind, <laughs> is Denton and Sarah are combined into one female journalist character. I do know about this. Yeah. Okay. So that's Dentana. I don't remember what this, her name the, is. The question Dentara. that I have. Emily? Emily? Is it Annie? Because I think that Anne, there was a real female reporter who was like, who was the mm. Bill Pullman yes, I person in history. So I do think that that's cool that they made that back into a woman. It yeah. really was. The thing that confuses me is like, she's a professional reporter. So like, how old is she? Because Jack is no. a child. Well, I think, I don't think in the musical, in the musical they make I don't it think like they she's looking for her. A little bit. She's kind of like, this is her first big break or like she's. Okay, so she's a she's young like, reporter. Yeah, like this is her and, first job, and and it's like the pressure of like just be, just yeah. do what you're doing. Right, because Denton's like, whole thing yeah. is like he covered the Spanish American War, and now he's back. Whereas like I think her thing is like, well, they just gave her this shitty like cover the strike gig because it's okay. like, we're gonna bury it anyway. Because yeah. I feel like in the movie, the fact that they are kids is like very important to understanding the whole thing mm -hmm. so if they're a little more ambiguous and it's just like jack is like a young person but we yeah. like don't really dwell on like exactly Correct. how old he is okay mm -hmm. then i guess I, I get it that it's like we can just be like oh they're both in their like early 20s maybe or something yeah and that's true that like also in history that like some of the strike leaders were like 21 or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. it definitely feels like uh what am i thinking of uh like how in like in peter pan like peter pan's the oldest of the lost boys like he's he like Jack is just happens to be the he's the one leading the group because of his age. Yeah, I think also like I like the romance plotline because like Christian Bale is really cute in this movie, and yeah. I'm not like attached to Sarah specifically, so I'm not necessarily sure. upset by that change. Um, the line so when he like sleeps beside her, um, slips fire escape and whatever, and they go on the on the, um, roof. the roof. roof, and then he says the thing about like. I'm not used to it mattering to people whether I stay or go. And I'm not saying it should matter, but like, does it matter? It's perfect. It's so cute. It's such a cute, like kids falling in love for the first time, being really unsure about what you can say or not mm -hmm. say. Like, I think it's a really sweet moment. It is funny though, that at the end of the movie, they he fully makes out with her. <laughs> oh I'm yeah. Like... It's been like very, very light touch until like whoa, until okay, right like at the end where it's like you know what I've, right in there I've been to jail. Also, david been is back. like david's like right smiling there. while they do that know, and i was like I no brother is like no i i don't yeah. i wish he like was a little bit more like hey stop it that's my yeah, like, like gives him a little bit of a hard time or something yeah. right i mean i love that's like okay jack is like part of the fam like i get mm -hmm. the whole vibe of what's happening and i do think like obviously his and David's relationship is the more central thing and mm -hmm. everything. But like, yeah, I do still feel like even if he's like your best friend and you really trust him, you'd still be like, okay, like I, this is a lot for you to like be dating my sister now. Like yeah. we gotta, let's, let's backpedal a little bit. Yeah. 
did I wish the entire movie that it was just an enemies to lovers uh, situation <laughs> and uh, they just get together, David and Jack? Yeah, absolutely. Because there's that lingering look at the end where like when they finally win or like he, David's like standing. It's right before he gives him the like Newsy's handshake where he spits in his hands. Like there's that lingering look of like, we did it. But I'm like, in a different context, in a different show, <laughs> you two are like, I'm sure many of the many of the casts that have performed this on stage both both of them have fucked off stage because <laughs> they're uh, it's only gay men i feel it's like it's only gay men that play these roles. anyway jeremy jordan not, i'm not saying anything about jeremy jordan but he could be bisexual you don't know anyway i don't know that's true um moving on from whatever the fuck that was <laughs> from, from Anne margaret well to... we talked about so reporter so let's talk king of new york which is our last yes on the list. let's talk bill baby I said this to RJ yesterday, and it may sound nuts because he had like a massive career. Mm-hmm. Why do I feel like Bull- Bill Pullman was like underappreciated? Like he was in everything, mm. but I feel like we don't talk about that he's like actually good in everything. Like it's, I think he like people are like he's just like giving affable guy energy, and so it's like oh he just kind of like fits that role in whatever movie he's in. But like. I think he's really good at everything he does. So I, I like this performance of Bill Pullman. I'm going to come out on the record and I'm going to say that. How brave. Is it is it because he's serving Tom Hanks, but Tom Hanks also exists? Yeah, I wonder if like in an alternate universe, Bill Pullman is the Had Tom, Tom Hanks' career. Because I could see I it. mean, he's literally in the league of their own with Tom Hanks. They're not on stage together. They're not on stage together. They're not on, on screen together. But like, um, yeah. or maybe they are for like a second. But um Anyway, Bill Pullman. No, I think he's good. I like the song. Uh, apparently, this is like the last song they wrote um, mm. for the movie because they were like, we just need another filler song. And then it ended up being Alan Menken's favorite song in the movie. Adam was also like, this is the quietest printing press. Like, Oh, yeah. Later. <laughs> later when they do the printing. Yeah, yeah. Down Wait, I just want to say, so yeah, King of New York. One, I love it because Spot is in it. Two, <laughs> yes. um, uh, I think it's like almost too good because he, he I... they Spot. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. For what I was gonna say. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Speechless. <laughs> Truly sent me. Um, I think it's too good because I do remember as a kid watching it and knowing when King of New York was over that I was like, oh, it's kind of boring from this moment on. That's true. That's true. That's the true. other flaw that the movie does have is yet again a lack of a real finale. Tip your hat. He's a king of New York. I'm the king of New York. He's nothing flat. He'll be covering Brooklyn to Trenton. Making the headline out of a hunch. Protecting the weak and paying for lunch. When I'm at bat. Strong men crumble. Crowd get humble. He's I'm the, the king, king of New York. Be either dead or dreaming. Look at that paint with I know because it's like it's, it's happening when the credits are going, right? So it's yeah, they like replay a song that we've already heard. It's it the you day. Know, so there's like the day scoring. Again. Yeah, there's like scoring and stuff underneath it. Um, but yeah, the the only other song I think. Yeah, because high times, hard times, it's like next on our list, but it's already happened, mm-hmm. I think, in the movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's the the song that they sing as we're doing the printing press, which I think is fine as like a functional, like we're moving the plot forward. We're telling you about this thing that we're going to do of p- printing the, the papers. But the um, but I feel like it needs then a capper of like another high energy real finale mm-hmm. to finish it off. 
Um, so yeah, I think King of New York is like, I mean, it couldn't be placed anywhere else. It makes sense plot wise where it is, but it, it needs it, the pacing of the numbers. Isn't yeah, quite right. especially since like you're about to get him, uh, Jack Kelly being arrested, uh, like Jack Kelly getting the offer, like Jack Kelly getting like being a like it's just it starts kind of like the you know like the downturn of the the play and so yeah I, I wish there was something something a little peppier yeah between that well I agree with everything Molly said yeah you listened really really well the the retention was like off the charts on that one yep. um I do think that though well Are you I writing don't notes like... while we're talking about no the I realized that I put something in the wrong place and it was bothering me um <laughs> <laughs> it matters because we're turning this in for a, bit, a grade uh while I don't like that there's not a real finale I do think that Jack and David being invited into Pulitzer's office and mm-hmm. we have all the I mean one I love when all the kids show up and they, they're singing the world will know and then the kids mm-hmm. come in with the like million voices line or whatever I think is amazing obviously like yeah the newsboy strike didn't actually end all child exploitation but like the but, the, but the solved <laughs> but the like labor movement in general ending child labor like it, mm-hmm. it acknowledges sort of like the whole history of the period right rather mm-hmm. than like the literal accomplishment of the strike mm-hmm. um so I thought that was great and then them being brought up to Pulitzer's office and the whole thing where David is like kind of David is bringing that uh, book smartness where he says mm-hmm. like, well, actually your circulation your is down. down. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. The one thing as an adult, I was like, how would he have the number 70%? Like, true, like, shouldn't the line yeah. be like, I know you're selling fewer papers in like these neighborhoods or whatever, but I was like, you don't have the data Stats. in 1899 to say 70%. Girl, Pulitzer um, didn't even have the data in 1899. <laughs> no, um, the, the, right. the word data had not been invented yet. Yeah, yeah. Or even if he said like, you're selling a third of the papers you were before or something, yeah. like it would be more believable than 70%. But anyway, David knows that the, the numbers don't make sense. And then Jack comes in with his emotional intelligence to be like, mm-hmm. but it's not about the money, is it? It's about us and where nobody is. And then he like uses the, I'm just telling this, I'm just doing the thing Adam did with the Hello Dolly scene. Well, uh, this is the thing. The- it's 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 like you need the Walt and the Roy. You need the charismatic, enigmatic leader. And then, you, and then you need the someone that has the like, you know, like the the brains, the... This is this is why you need thing, a, the Walton Roy thing? Walt Disney Roy. Disney, yeah. Okay. But it's also like, it's the artistic director and the managing director. You know, it's that idea yes. of like, you need someone that can inspire, but then also oh, someone to help the foundation. I, also earlier, oh my God. Okay. When Jack reveals himself to be a scab and David goes to talk to him and they've all been like jeering at Jack. So keeping him back. But David's yes. like, I'm calm and I'm going to go talk calm. to him. I'm going to talk to him up close. Yeah. And then David realizes he's talking to him. He's like, but I don't really need you, do I? Because you were just saying my words back. And they turns away. And then he turns back to Jack and he's like, do you know what? I don't need you anymore. And like, I'm, I'm going to go punch you. I think it's such good character development for a kid's movie. Like mm-hmm. the fact that he has this realization that like, I'm going to take on this mantle. And that means that like, I'm going to also get emotional about this, yeah. which has kind of been my whole thing is that I'm not going to get emotional. I'm not going to get invested. I think is so well done. Um, anyway, I just think Jack and David are like a really great pairing. And then I also love that in the end, even though they've made a really good case for like, look, you've lost, you've lost the popular support, obviously, mm-hmm. like you're not gonna be able to stop this. We've organized, you're going to have to give us something, but then really what gets Pulitzer is that they were smart enough to sneak into his paper and yes, print and the paper on the his paper. press yeah. because it's such a, like, I'm a capitalist and I break the rules. And so like, yeah. I really admire you kind of, uh, 
screwing me over a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's like such a thing. I feel like with, I mean, I don't know anybody who's like a who's tycoon, a Fortune right? 500 I true, <laughs> but I feel like that's very no, much the narrative. Uh, <laughs> Rita does know some people. Um, I think that that narrative of like people who build these empires. You have to step on the little people to get what you want. And they like kind of respect when you go outside the rules a little bit. I think to me feels realistic that that could have been, that could be, none of this happened, but like, yeah. Like as a beautifully written dramatic scene. I like it. It's the respect. Like they, you get the respect by showing that like, you're not intimidated by them and can outsmart them, especially for a character, a very megalomaniac character, like Pulitzer, who's like, I thought of everything, you know? And it's like, nope, this is the one thing that you didn't think of that I got to fool you. I love in this scene when he opens the doors. First of all, I did not realize that the, they're on, I don't know, the 40th floor, like- Of a Capitol building nothing or something. Makes sense. It looks nothing sick. makes sense. It's yeah. so great. Yeah. But they the open crazy, the door. Like, gold dome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the Notre Dame dome. Yeah, it's the Golden Dome <laughs> and Notre Dame. And they open the building. Um, and they're chanting. They're singing. And they're singing. And, and Robert Duvall's like as choice- if- as if he is like the Wicked Witch of the West about to like get like splashing with water. Like it's yeah. the same reaction. It's so <laughs> it's funny. It's so funny. That the, the entire time, do we need? Yeah. Adam, I was like, it's full cartoon now. That's like, the only bit like, of camp in this whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Right there. Right at the end. Uh, it's so funny. It's so good. But like everyone is so serious about it. It's like that's right. Also, there's so many extras in that last scene. It's wild. Oh yeah. There's so it many is. people. It's it's yeah. crazy. The one thing um, I will I will just bring up about like I don't even know if it's like production design or visual design, but whenever they would pan out and then like they're so like in the bridge, the Brooklyn Bridge or the rooftops, they would zoom out and all of a sudden the skyline. the skyline is like an old style painting from back in the day, and then you're like, whoa, when did that? And it was really seamless for like a movie in the '90s. Like I was like, oh, yeah, I am looking at a painting. They like rotoscoped, yeah, out the, yeah. So I am realizing as we're rounding to the end of the plot that we might need to explain actually what happened to Teddy Roosevelt because it like probably did seem yes. truly wild in my summary. Yes. So Teddy Roosevelt in the setting of this movie, I should check that this, I'm guessing this is true, that he was governor of New York at this time. Correct. So what happens is when the kids have printed the newspaper where they actually, and they've taken a piece written by Bill Pullman's character um, to print it he takes that newspaper to Teddy Roosevelt's office because he's the governor and because uh, mm. what the heck is the guy? Denton. 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 He he Pullman. Yeah. Denton was like stationed with Teddy Roosevelt in the Spanish American war, mm-hmm. which we already know. So he brings the paper to Roosevelt and Roosevelt's like, this is a crime. What's happening with the refuge. Oh, cause there's like a second article then also about the refuge. Mm-hmm. So he goes, shuts the refuge down, gets them to bring a paddy wagon full of kids from the refuge to like be released into the middle of a crowd, which I'm sure is like the safest way to do that. And all hundred percent how they always release prisoners. Um, they like let all the kids go and then Snyder walk around and get into the paddy wagon, which is again, high camp. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, so Roosevelt comes in as like this hero who shuts down the refuge and saves everything. And then he offers Jack a ride anywhere he wants. Jack says, I want to go to the train yards, but then they come back and he says like, thanks for the advice, Mr. Roosevelt. I've got unfinished business here. So that is why Teddy Roosevelt is in this movie. <laughs> Yes, it's the, it, and this was when I made all of the connections of like, oh, the Annie parallels. Like there is Roosevelt a that Roosevelt swoops that swoops in and kind of saves the day. Main character's an orphan. Main character's an orphan. And also when I did the Annie in Orlando and when I watched 
Newsies in Orlando. It was the same actor that played both Roosevelt's. My ah, my FDR and Annie also played Teddy. Roosevelt. Yeah. So yeah. I was just like, oh, amazing. Also, this. third camp moment is when Roosevelt's in the crowd and he's just continuously raising and lowering like his an hat. Animatronic. Like he's animatronic. Just... Yeah. Yeah. You gotta you gotta give it up for there's lots of camp in here. Come on, Adam. <laughs> Come on, Adam. Plenty of camp. My God, what is this? A John Waters film? Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> um Molly, do you have any final thoughts on I, I'm, besides, I just don't feel like you've really talked a lot. Besides, yeah, it's perfect. My final yeah. thoughts are it's perfect and everyone should watch it and we should make it make $100 million on Disney Plus <laughs> to prove I that everyone curious. was wrong in 1992. If it made a lot more money in like the home video, because like Disney kind of dominated home videos, right? Like especially in the nineties. Yes, so it recouped all of its all of its budget <sighs> on yeah. rental sales. Wow. Yes. Amazing. Back when rental sales mattered. Yeah. Now they don't matter anymore. Uh, I, don't I don't even know, know what how... that would be. Yeah, I, I don't even know yeah, how you I would do that. On, rent things on YouTube and like through iTunes and stuff sometimes, but yeah. I guess the way you would make money is like the amount you license it for streaming. And then you they right. pay that fee, I don't know, yearly like or monthly? Years, or, yeah, because yeah. that's why some titles get pulled. Pulled, yeah. Okay. What have people been saying about this movie? So, uh, critics at the time uh, gave it a 39% rating. But the audience metric is 88% certified fresh. So, divide a divide. Um, Roger Ebert from the Chicago Sun-Times said, I saw the movie at a Saturday morning preview attended by hundreds of children. From what I could see and hear, the kids didn't get much out of it. No wonder. Although the material doesn't, does indeed involve young protagonists, no effort is made to show their lives in a way today's kids can identify with. This movie must seem as odd to them as a foreign film. The fact that Old Man Pulitzer once tried to cheat Newsies out of a tenth of a cent must represent, for many of them, the very de definition of the underwhelming. I mean, I disagree, but it is a pretty funny point about the... the <laughs> <laughs> it is funny that that's a lie in the movie. Because, like, I think the, like, 50, 50 cents to 60 cents, like, I think that works. But when they he's literally like, it's a tenth of a cent, I was like, okay, well, don't say it like that. Because now I'm really, like, on the capitalist side at that point. <laughs> um, Owen Gleiberman from Entertainment Weekly says, to call Newsies old-fashioned would be to understate the case. The movie just about fetishizes its own squareness. Directed and co-choreographed by Kenny Ortega, the film will probably appeal to parents more than their kids, too many plot twists, and it has been put together with just enough efficiency to qualify as an oddball labor of love. For all that, it's hardly an accident that the sort of thing went out of style many eons ago. The relentless rah-rah boosterism of Newsies feels hollow and slightly absurd. It no longer has any connection to the mood of the country. The movie stands as a textbook demonstration of why they don't, and probably shouldn't make them like they used to. Damn, Desert Storm really must have... <laughs> Hit Owen hard. Yeah, Owen this hard. I really feel like attacked by this one in a way that I haven't by anything that you do. Says what this. the fuck was happening in 1992 <laughs> besides the birth of me? <laughs> what was going on? That everyone was like, "Rah rah, boosterism is outdated." Fuck that shit. Like I know, I know. In the 80s, it was very like earnest, like optimism, and then like in the 90s, at some point, it does become like cynical. But like, I'm googling cultural events in 1992. <sighs> it's wild. So this one, however, is from uh, Roger Ebert's partner, Gene Siskel, at the Chicago Tribune. Mm -hmm. He gives it a positive review. He says, Newsies was directed by choreographer Je 
Kenny Ortega, and he predictably is more comfortable with dance numbers than actors. I mean, when was the last time you saw Robert Duvall give a, give a bad performance in a movie? He gives one here as boss Joseph Pulitzer, who raises the prices the film's newsboys must pay him for their papers. And Anne-Margaret is similarly awkward as a dance hall gal who befriends the boys. Also, it would be a relief if at least one of the kids didn't have a thick Brooklyn accent. Indeed, your enjoyment of Newsies will depend directly on how much you enjoy musicals, because this corny story of youthful workers in rebellion is tedious when it is without a melody. He basically, like... I said positive, and then I read a yeah, paragraph that was not positive. positive. But it was like, his whole review was like, it works as a musical. Like, the musical numbers are really good. And it's like, fine. He gave it like a three out of four stars. I feel like also... thought the direction was bad. I mean, I get I get what the people in this are saying, what you said about, like, that the plot is kind of confusing. There's a lot of moving parts. I feel like, as a kid, because, like, you often don't quite understand all the plots of movies anyway. Like, I got enough of, like, this is this story about Jack and David, and there's, like, fun musical numbers in it. Like, I didn't need to understand every moment of what happened. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. I disagree. And I don't think I'm a hollow person for enjoying movies. So. <laughs> well, that's still, Jerry's still out on that one, Molly. Uh, but what are people saying on Letterboxd? So, uh, Sarah gave it five stars and said Jack and Davey were in love with each other. We can all agree on that, right? And I think Absolutely. I think Margaret or I think I'm sorry. I think RJ's uh letterbox name is Sarah because I'm pretty sure he wrote that <laughs> review. Madison gave it three stars and said Christian Bale singing is like, yes, I am a Brooklyn kid with a British accent. Why do you ask? <laughs> and Marianne gave it four stars and said, it's unfortunate that I was not a teenage girl in 1992. If I was, I would have single-handedly saved this film from flopping. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I feel like we Molly would have been like a full, like, BTS oh my God. type. Who's um, your bias? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like Spot bias. <laughs> spot bias. Spot camera bias. That is so funny. <laughs> Um, okay, so RJ, who is your MVP for this film? Oh, tough, 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 tough. But since I'm going first, I'll claim him. I'll pick Christian Bale. He was so good mm-hmm. in this movie, so charismatic. I literally could not take my eyes off of him. Like, and it was crazy to know that he already had this good of like acting skills as like an 18, 17, 18 year old. Like, I, I think know. that was the biggest thing that I was like, I feel like it's I'm so watching natural. him in his prime right now. It's so crazy. And knowing that, like, this is literally just the beginning. Like, he's about to have an amazing career. Um, so I'm going to give it to Christian Bale. Molly? I mean, objectively, RJ is right. Christian Bale is what makes this movie. But I will give it to Gabriel Damon, who is the guy who plays Spot. Because in addition to my feelings about the character, mm-hmm. I do think that it is difficult to be like, I'm a real tough guy as like a teenage, like still kind of a child actor, but like, Mm -hmm. I feel like does not have the hollowness of, I think that that's one thing people particularly feel like child actors struggle with is the like being a tough, intimidating character. And I feel like he really pulls it off. Yeah. He's like tough in his own terms. Like, it's like, I'm not like the biggest kid. I'm not like a a huge guy, but I am intimidating. And in so many other movies, that would be the joke is like you get this whole yeah. lead up of being like spot conlin is it's the guy like, to be and, and then, then you like realize it's kid. like a tiny kid and it's like that's funny and it's not played for comedy here like it's, it's like, like no he's oh no he's actually... still very just he just earned his way into that title yeah. yeah i do love the whole like when the when they first got to brooklyn i was like is this pirates like what is going on because there's like kids swimming he's on the docks like he's got like the uh-huh. stick no it's ireland <laughs> you didn't hear the background music brooklyn is ireland Ah. Uh, 
Ireland. That's funny. Um, <laughs> sorry. The music is very Irish. I'm not just yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I also like the idea. I mean, it's it was funny to me the idea of like having to go to Brooklyn and you have to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge. Like, I know, I get, I understand, right? But I was yeah. like, wow, what a what a concept that you have like, to like. I have to take a day trip to Brooklyn. It's not today. even a train. Yeah, <laughs> I spent um, I spent a month there one night. That's yes, the line. That that's the line. Says. Yeah, yeah, it's very funny. It's a very funny line, actually. Um, well, I think both of you are disgusting for your answers <laughs> because obviously the MVP is America's union labor force. Oh. And how dare you put disrespect <laughs> on America's I thought you were going to say Robert like Duvall. That. And I was like, okay, this is a lot. No, it's not Robert Duvall. But I do think his performance is camp and it's a sleigh. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess um, technically SAG-AFTRA because that's the union. actor's <laughs> union for this movie. Sure. Um, but if I had to pick a person... I don't know. It'll be Fran Drescher, the current president of SAG After. <laughs> I would probably pick I would probably pick Kenny Ortega because I don't think oh, it's like a yeah, great yeah. I don't think it's a great movie. Um but I think he did pretty good. I think he did really well with the dance numbers and I do yeah. think he captured dance well on film. We did not talk about that I know, because yeah, we had someone who was supposed to be talking about the dance of this film and he decided to have his power cut off in Austin, Texas from an ice storm. Brandon really should have planned ahead on that one really should have planned planned ahead by not living in Austin Texas (laughs) yeah um but um apart from that I do actually think he like it's very competently directed I think like it's visually interesting to look at I think that actors are give a good performance so I think he's they're directed well in that regard so I think it's like everyone's in the same movie there's a lot of kids and anytime there's a lot of kids I just feel like the director did a lot of wrangling so I'm very impressed in that yeah space as well that's yeah. going to be a new category for us, I feel like. Child wrangling. Showies, child oh, best. this year? We have like 12 movies that are with star children. <laughs> yeah. So get gird your loins, girlies. <laughs> Pick your va- favorites now. Yeah. Start campaigning now. Molly, what is your close this week? Um, before I say my closer, I just want to say, I feel listeners like I wasn't met with the level of enthusiasm that I was hoping to be met with. And <laughs> I would love for the fellow news scans to just write in so, so that I can like, write in. Yeah. read a letter and just like, you know, have someone on my same emotional level about yes. this movie. Uh, reaffirm the closer. Mind. Yeah. The closer this week is pitch a musical set around the downfall of a modern day MLM and or <laughs> other exploitative labor practice. I mean, it, it, it's not the pyramid part of an MLM, but the like sure. making people buy the product and then yeah. being exploited because of that is 100% what MLMs do. Full scam. Full scam. Okay. I would love to see a musical fully about like Herbalife, Beachbody, like mm. the fitness side of MLM. Because I, I think there is something. It's a jazzercise musical. The, I America's mean, first jazzercise musical. I mean, first of all, imagine like just the visuals of like, the physiques doing like amazing choreography. I think that this really feels cool. like a Starlight Express walks that this could run Ooh. kind of a, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would love to see that. And also I, I'm not like fully aware of, cause I feel like I know like we, there's Lula Rich that came out. Like, I feel like I know more about the other MLMs that I think mm. I would love to kind of like D, but I think, I think there was a, docu series thing about Herbalife or like Beachbody um, but I would love to kind of like see it uh, play out a little bit more because I think there's you know like especially when it comes to fitness like there's obviously a bit of like 
exhibitionist of like I am my product. So like I like so I think that could be mm. like that dynamic could be fun and a musical. Interesting. I will say that we're assuming that all of these will fall and therefore there will be a an arc for them yes, to yeah, 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 yeah. interact with. But or you know, it could help. be like kind of like a satirical like take. So it's like maybe if it's not Herbalife, it's like, you know, like Yeah. And it could also be like one person's story of getting in and getting out and doesn't have to be like the whole thing falls. Yeah. I would do an updated version of the musical working, um, which is based on the, the writings of cradle will rock that one. No, no. The one, the one we did the song from see that building, see that building. It's based on the writings of sociologists from Chicago who did a bunch of series about like working people. I don't, I literally don't remember the name of the author. I do apologize. I was not prepared for this question. However, it was in the doc hours ago. I was prepared for once. It wasn't when I was writing my notes. So period. Um, so I do not know his name, but I would do an updated version, but except instead of working, I'd call it gigs and it would be gig economy workers so it'd be like an Instacart shopper and an Uber driver and oh yeah, gig economy, gig economy, and um, a person who takes your COVID test at at the place or whatever. I don't know. Other so gig, like other a... such gig economy jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a songs for a new world kind of thing where each number Ooh, is like its yeah. own character Ooh, and uh-huh. story. Wait, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wait a minute. Hundred percent. Wait, are we smart actually? Wait a minute. Um, another great line where he says, "I can't be something I'm not," and David says, "A scab," and he goes, "No, smart." <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. And it's they. A good movie. <laughs> and they. I think Molly likes this movie. Already. Um. And I just wish she would come out and say it. You know, I, I just wish, she like, keeps Molly, like dancing around. She just keeps dancing like... around the topic of one and liking this movie. And I don't really get it. But I would, and then the running theme is that nobody has health care in gigs. Oh. Um, I think there is, and then is that the like checkoff gun, and you're like, someone's gonna get sick, but we don't know hurt. who it is. It's like, and then it's like... the pandemic, and everybody gets sick. <gasps> are we? Sorry, are we writing this? Are we... I'm sorry. Right after we... this recording, I'm sorry. Are we? smart <laughs> i had to make up for so- some of the shit i said earlier when i was confused about the plot of a children's film oh <laughs> uh, molly what is your uh what is yours you know rj mentioned it in his answer we're gonna take lula rich oh my god because firstly the costume potentials and just a set design the projection design of the patterns of the leggings it will but, take us so far in the aesthetics. Also, imagine like Ev- Evan Hansen style, you will be found, but instead it's all the Facebook lives of the different women selling the LuLaRoe. <laughs> the LuLaRoe. We're just like, here's number 23. But it's like, do you mean, <laughs> wait, okay. Like, like produ- the same emotional resonance as you will be found? <laughs> no, 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 just, like, you mean- just purely okay. production. Purely production of like the different- It's just like, like, a it's just like actually media. a musical that praises MLMs and it's just like a whole- It's, it's pro. It doesn't, it doesn't we'll question it at all. Thing. And then that- It's, and then- it's pro MLM <laughs> and it, it, it is actual live streams that people are doing currently yes. that are playing- and every then, night it's a different thing and then it'll get a movie adaptation and then we'll do an episode on it and then we'll be like was it critical of the or was it yeah we'll, mean... have, we'll have the invert well okay here's what we'll do because we've now written we've now written three musicals we're, we're on and a they're roll. all good they're, they're all, all good. good that's the craziest yeah. part yeah. 
So this one is like the opposite of what happened to Dear Evan Hansen. So Dear Evan Hansen seemed to be satirical and then went very earnest for the film. So what we're going to do is we're going to do the opposite and we're going to make it really earnest. And then when we make a movie, we're going to make it satirical and then people will be like, but I thought in the original version it was, you were like supporting MLM, so why are you changing your mind? It's like, no, it was always. What are you talking about? It was always. It's always. You missed it. You missed it. It was very, Um, just very subtle. It was always sad. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean who wasn't so socially irresponsible something there is something that would slay about just writing a musical just about how moms are great um but no what i actually want it to be is like an anti-hero story where you you the audience starts out believing that like the character who starts the mlm is a good guy and then like you figure out as it's going along that they're not a good guy like Mm. you start out on their side and then by the end they're the villain they're the villain that's what i want it to be See, that's what I like. It's those it's villain stories. Ask. Those villain stories are what I want because I feel like now there's the trend of like, well, it's we showing, can ruin media. It's showing the humanity. Yes. It shows yes, the humanity of the villain. But I almost want it to be like, no, I kind of want to see them and then fully justify themselves. Yeah. Like, no, I am the wicked. hero, absolutely. But they truly become a villain, and the point is that you're <laughs> Which, like, no, that's... I hate that we live in a time where it's opposite wicked, as if it just wasn't all media up until <laughs> wicked was that way anyway. No, but it's not opposite because <laughs> no, all media was like there are good, like you follow the story of the good guy and the good, yeah, yeah. The good guy. There was a bad but it's opposite in that it's that it's the story of how a person you thought was good is it's actually Joker. bad it's no i don't think that's a joker no but we don't we don't want to humanize jo- like we it's explaining joker, why he's bad joker but was, not yeah joker was always a villain i mean it's not yeah, it would true. be like if, if we made a batman movie that's like actually here's all the reasons that batman is like not a good guy mm-hmm. yeah because he doesn't pay his taxes Yes, if we made a Batman movie only about tax evasion, that's the that's the clearest way that I could explain listen, this to you. Listen, Perfect. if you were able to watch a straight play about the Guthrie being built, I think we can watch a, a full straight play about Bruce Wayne trying to do taxes. <laughs> that is that's a fringe festival show, <laughs> and it's fully Albert just like okay, I bought the Turbo Tax. Let's just sit down. Yeah, and we have to sit down. We and just do have this. to sit down and do this. I would, I would so watch a 10-minute play about Batman. <laughs> also, like, when he's going to college and he's like, why do I still have to file FAFSA? I know I'm not going to get any money. Why do I have to do it? FAFSA? Now, that's exploitative uh, practice. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about that. <laughs> Stupid. So I just wanted to note, working as a musical with a book by Stephen Schwartz and Nina Faso, music by Schwartz, Craig Carnelia. Mickey Grant, Mary Rogers, and James Taylor. Lyrics by Schwartz, Carnelia Grant, Taylor, and Susan Birkenhead. The musical is based on the Studs Turkle book. Working, people talk about what they do all day and how they feel about what they do from 1974, which is interviews with people from different regions and occupations. Has anyone get a name like Turkle book? Studs Turkle, yeah. Is there a new version of that book? Because I feel like that would be, I would love to know a 2023 version of people's like experiences with their work you know i mean they exist in like a million microblogs probably but just watch people's tiktoks join with me in my day as uh whatever yeah that's a get ready with me yeah it's a get ready with me compilation wow and that's newsies yeah thank you all for giving me a reason to watch this movie again that was great. It's Thank you movie. for finally making me watch it. This movie yeah. should not have flopped. That is my strong stance. Yeah. Is yeah. that this yeah. movie? There's no good reason for it to have flopped. If given a correct marketing, if given like a very thoughtful like release, mm-hmm. I think it could have done really well. I think it also goes to show that it performed very well on Broadway. 
like it was it was very much it ran for like two or three years yeah it like holds up as a musical Mm -hmm, for sure yeah maybe that's also part of it is just like what were other movie musicals in this time period i mean maybe people was like kind of expectation board for yeah yeah, a live action movie musical yeah this was the slump pre pre the chicago moulin rouge chicago kind of resurgence of the the modern movie Mm -hmm. musical so people just didn't know what to expect they had no idea do you know what's great about it is i can Go watch this movie anytime I want. Anytime you want. And... There wasn't a singing crab and a flying carpet. They didn't know what was going on. They couldn't <laughs> handle it. Jamaican singing crab. Okay, bye. Oh, what's the song? What are we ending on? You have to. You know the songs, Molly. I don't. And the world will know. And the journal too. Mr. Hertz and Pulitzer, have we got news for you? And the world will see what we have to say. We've been hawking headlines, but we're making them today. I'm going to sing a song from the docks of um, Brooklyn. Oh, Danny boy, (laughs) the pipes, the pipes are called. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the best revival of a podcast, Showgaze. You can find us on social media. Adam is at Adam Noecker on Twitter. RJ is at RJ Food Rocks on Instagram. And Molly is at Molly Matiny on Instagram. This episode was edited and mixed by Adam Noecker. This has been an Ampliverse production. You can find our show page and more information at theampliverse.com. If you'd like to send us your own takes on the movie we just watched, reach out to us via email and we might read it aloud on the show. Our email is showgazemoviemusical at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to help others find the show. And now, as always, the show must go on. So stick around to hear what we're going to be watching next episode. Hello. Hi. Welcome. I'm Jonathan Larson. I am 29 years old. I work at the Moondance Diner. Check. One sec. Do we take reservations? No, we do not take. We're we're a diner. I have an original rock musical. Hey, boy genius. That I have spent the last eight years of my life writing. He's getting out. You're gonna be rich and famous. And rewriting. Did you crack it yet? Oh, I'm getting so close. And rewriting. Can I hear it? Any day now. Eight years. And the time keeps ticking. You need to ask, are you letting yourself be led by fear or by love? Fear, a hundred percent fear. I don't know what the show is. Why do we play with fire? What if the workshop happens and nothing changes? What then, Jonathan? Maybe I'm just wasting my time. Do you know how many Jonathan Larsons there are? One. Why should we blaze a trail? There's not enough time. I went to three friends' funerals last year, and nobody is doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Try writing about what you know. What does it take to wake up a generation? It would be a tragedy to give up what you have. Love, baby, don't say the answer. Action.
Discovering Voices, Building Worlds, The Ampliverse.